Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. So life's a beach, they say in this morning's mirror. They love adding a few notches onto the temperature. Like they're talking 27, 28 in the red tops today. Be grand. And we got plenty of beaches to choose from. 93 beaches in Ireland now have a blue flag this year. Fantastic. An awful lot of them in Cork and Kerry. So we got a lot to look forward to. A great weekend ahead. Whatever you're doing, if you're lucky to have a hotel booked or a bed and breakfast or indeed a holiday rental, Fair play to you. I hope you didn't pay way too much money because an awful lot of prices increases in that area. There's also a lot of flying ants around. Saw them yesterday. Uh, I was down west of the road and came up this morning and apparently were set for a right old swarm of them. According to the Mirror today, flying ants are set to swarm parts of Ireland as they seek to breed and establish new colonies. So I suppose the flying ants are on their holidays too. And taking a fancy to Ireland. But with regards to many things to do with hospitality changes at some stage next week, while kids should be able to go into pubs and kids should be able to go indoors in restaurants, to Antonio Hulin is saying to families, eat and drink outdoors. I think if you had a preference, actually, or a choice, I should say, with the great weather, you probably would always choose to be outdoors. It's just so lovely, and many places have made such an effort. But um, when you can't, of course, the indoor opportunity is there as well from next week for vaccinated people. But he's saying that parents should eat outdoors with their children, even though those vaccinated can legally go inside next week. And he's asked the unvaccinated not to try to sneak in the back door of the pubs. And that's a front page of Making the Mirror today. In fact, there's a lot of statistics. I don't know whether statistics turn you on or not anymore, but 20 people currently being treated in uh, ICU. 60% of the adult population now have been vaccinated. And if you're looking at numbers, 626 in the past fortnight uh, with regards to COVID cases have been related to travel. So this morning we hear of 1.3 million digital COVID certs have been issued either by email uh, or by post. Um, I'd say there's an ever... I don't know how many of us are still without a cert, but we're becoming a lonely little group all on our own, aren't we? Those of us who haven't got an email, those of us who haven't got a cert in the post. But Don't Bring the Children also makes the mail today. And they're looking, effort are asking for caution over the next eight weeks because cases are rising. That might well be the case, but you need to know that we have the lowest number of people in hospital. We have the lowest number of people in intensive care with regards to coronavirus per million population when you look at the rest of the European Union. In fact, these are WHO figures. Um, so in, in that regard, with regards to our hospitals and ICU, we're doing very, very well. <clears throat> There's going to be a post-pandemic boom. Um, and I know that many people will be spending and have been spending an awful lot of dosh these days. But extraordinarily, the front of the Independent says this morning that there will be tax cuts not tax hikes in the next four years. Tax cuts um, planned by the government on the back of a post-pandemic boom. Now, we need to borrow billions and billions, like something like 20 billion more than we ever needed to borrow. That 20 billion is just billion, is just covert-related billions. But still, at the same time, they're talking about tax cuts in four budgets. But one thing that will certainly be cut is our corporate, or indeed increased, I should say, is our corporate tax rate. We're coming into, uh, coming uh, under an awful lot of pressure from the rest of Europe and indeed America with regards to our 12.5% corporation tax rate. And that's been a huge magnet 
for international companies to come to Ireland, particularly from America. So it looks as if, according to the examiner today, that corporate tax rate will go from 125 to 15%. In fact, Biden is one of those, actually, that's putting fierce pressure on us, just like uh, Trump did when he was in office to increase our corporate tax rate. Trump at one stage was saying that he was threatening American companies with huge tax penalties if they didn't come back from, from Ireland. But you got to wonder, actually, in, in the, say, the 30 or 40 years that Biden, President Biden's actually been in politics in America, what has he ever done for Ireland anyway? I know he talks about Irish roots and what have you, um, but can anybody tell me what he's actually done uh, in any way, shape or form to help Ireland? Everybody says he's a friend of Ireland. Uh, the Galway race is, is happening, but they've only got a fifth of the punters at it, like 5,000 fans a day, which means that in its heyday, there was twenty-five or 30,000 people a day. And by what all that's happening, though, Michal Martin did say that if we had the same pandemic death rate as the UK per head of population, Four and a half thousand more people would have died in Ireland if you look at their rates and what they did and ours. But it's not all plain sailing. If you're heading off to Europe on your hollybops, like if you're going to Spain, for instance, there will be some extra things that you need to do with regards to locator forms and filling in different stuff online before you go. And both the Independent and the Red Tops this morning talk about the um, rules that you can expect to encounter in different popular destinations, whether it's Spain, Greece, France, Portugal. It's not a case of just having your vaccine certain heading off. There's more involved. And, of course, GPs have been getting an awful lot of phone calls and because of this confusion that came from our politicians, actually, that GPs would give you certs um, to allow you to get in and out of hospitality. That isn't the case, nor will they give you a cert if you've had COVID in the past. Nick Flynn, who runs my Cork GP, says his practice has been overrun with phone calls about issuing certificates to those who've had vaccinations or those who've recovered from COVID. It's a story in the Echo today. He's quoted as saying, we run a busy call system anyway, but we're flooded with phone calls of people looking for letters for pints and burgers and holidays and ridiculous stuff considering we're flat to the mat already providing medical care. So that's an interesting one. Uh, yet another survey is out. This one is a thousand people who were surveyed on behalf of Samsung in Ireland. 75% of them said that they would favour an employer that offered remote working with 80% of people surveyed saying that they would do a better job if they could work from home. Interesting, isn't it? You know the, the HSE hack? Well, the first legal case, or at least one of the first legal cases over the release of sensitive data has been lodged now. Uh, it's a story in the examiner and the case has been lodged against the Mercy University Hospital. A solicitor um, has, read, has lodged the case on behalf of a client who wants to remain anonymous for now, but has consented um, that his case be publicised without identifying that person. It's may he's a male person, male, but when we know that he recovered from cancer, so that's one of the first legal cases against the uh, HSE hack. And as you heard in the news, there the huge city centre revamp. I'll come back to this a little later on because there's a lot of different streets and roads and things. The the big ticket item here is it's going to cost nearly fifty million. Um, to further change the look of the city centre, particularly the medieval quarter. So I will keep I'll keep that and come out to it later and tell you about the different streets involved. And then, of course, we have the photographs of Sinead O'Connor uh, and Ian Bailey, who had lunch probably yesterday in in a restaurant in Glengareth, by all accounts. Uh, Ian Bailey says that he, he had lunch with Sinead O'Connor because she wanted to discuss, to discuss his poetry 
uh, and she has in mind to record a couple of songs using his poems as lyrics. And they were also chatting about her new column in the Sunday Independent. So Sinead and Ian verse dates is a story that makes um, this morning's Red Tops uh, on song with Bailey poems is a story from the mirror today uh, and also you can find that um, there are other stories that aren't all that um, pleasant to read including toxic relationships and when women leave a toxic relationship according to the star it can take many years for them to get their lives back in some cases 15 to 20 years to escape an abusive relationship and the cost that they're putting on the 20 years of torture, pain and hell before a woman can eventually break free. There is a financial m- number and the Daily Star this morning says it's just over €113,000. Another actually wonderful story regarding money. It's the story of um, the world's... This is based on weight, right? This is the most valuable item ever, ever made. It's a stamp. And it's sold recently for £6.2 million. So what does that come in at? Something in the region of maybe €7.5 euro, perhaps a little bit more. Armed guards yesterday collected it from the vault in Sotheby's in New York. It's said to be the Mona Lisa of stamps. I mean, it's an incredible thing to pay for a stamp that once was stuck on a newspaper to deliver the newspaper back in 1856. The stamp was put on a newspaper, the newspaper was delivered, it ended up in an attic, and it was found by a 12-year-old Scottish schoolboy. I was chatting yesterday with Lana with regards to the things that are worth money. Uh, Sometimes they're toys, sometimes they could be... I was talking about barrels of whiskey, if you lay them down for 20 years. But this is a £6.2 million stamp, and a teenager found it in an attic. I hope he made money out of it. Papers Vice also talk of uh, people who are so into their body image now that they are illegally injecting, well, they're injecting illegal tanning products. Um, and this is a story that makes many of the newspapers. I'll be coming back to that a little later on this morning with regards to body image because I do want to run an interview that I did on the amount of people who are injecting and swallowing steroids uh, with regards to changing their body image. So more on that, of course, in the morning. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco Click and Collect. Freshly picked and brought straight to your car for free. And you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. So just to round the circle from where we finished yesterday, Elton John has announced he's going to perform Park Equive. It's part of the 32-date farewell Yellow Brick Road tour of Europe and North America. And he'll play Cork, he'll play Parky Cueve on the 1st of July next year. It's a Friday. Tickets go on sale. Uh, what date is today? The 15th. So that would make it this day week, 9 a.m. Thursday of next week. Tickets go on sale for the Rocket Man. Fantastic. At least we're talking about gigs. At least we're talking about opening up and things like that. So it's something interesting to look for. Something to look forward to. I know it's next summer, but still in all, tickets go on sale uh, this day week. Happy birthday, and I didn't do this yesterday because I didn't see it till I got off the air yesterday. But very special person, great friend of mine for many years, and a wonderful father, husband, and all-round friend. Celebrated his 90th birthday yesterday, and that's the one and only Jack Briarly. Uh, and I got a text in, which I didn't see until now, uh, to wish my legendary dad, Jack Barley, a big happy 90th birthday from his beautiful wife, Frances, his daughters, grandchildren, and all of the family. 
And also I throw myself in there because we go back a long way, myself and Jack. So happy birthday for yesterday, Jack. I hope you had a ball. We had a call's on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Ah, yeah. So I mentioned the weekend ahead and people going off or maybe renting holiday homes or trying to get a bargain. You get very few bargains. I think a lot of people expect that they might have to pay a little bit more because there's more demand. Uh, Ray joins me by phone line one. Ray, good morning. Good morning, how are you? And you, I'm well, thank you. And you decided to try and book something for yourself and the family, isn't that right? That is indeed, yes. And then I got a shock. Okay, and did you look at different options in different places or were you always looking for somewhere in Ballyhigh? No, I actually looked all around the country, to be honest with you. Right. Um, trying to find somewhere pet-friendly to bring the dog with us. And um, would, I, you not, would you normally tell them that you were bringing a dog? I'm just curious. Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would why would you tell him? Um, I suppose just being more honest. Okay, <laughs> you're, a little, you you're a little bit more honest than me. Then okay, go ahead. So anyway, tell me how you got on. Um, so basically, uh, night before last, I was looking up different places, found a few spots in Ballyhigh, uh, rang one, and I think it was about six eighty for the week. Rang and the girl answered the phone, and she said it was actually gone that day. For the 680. So I went, fair enough. So there was another one for 585. And I actually turned to my wife and I said, I think this is too good to be true. 585 for a three bedroom house. How many in front of me? 585 per week, Ballyhigh, County Kerry, three bedroom, three bath. Beautiful kitchen, incidentally. Beautiful. Yeah, lovely kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Do a bit of work, but that's for conversation for another day. You're Um, you're clearly in the kitchen business then, are you? No, I'm actually wrapping. I started a new company and I'm wrapping kitchens. So, yeah. Okay, we'll come back to that in a sec. So when you yeah. see 585 per week, you think, clearly, like, that seems incredibly low for July or August. But go on anyway. It does, yeah. So I rang and the lady answered and she said, can I ring back the next morning as she wasn't sure the date she had available in August. Okay. So I rang back the next morning and the girl answered and she said, I have the 14th of August available for a week. So I went, fine. Okay. Uh, I said, how much? And she said, 1685 euros. Uh. So I repeated it and then I asked her, Does that, you know, do we get breakfast in bed? I said, Is there a menu? You know, or <laughs> typical car humor. She may not have got that. Yeah, <laughs> she, I actually don't think she did because it took her a few seconds and then she said, Oh, you're very funny. I said, I'm not trying to be funny. I said, I just think that's crazy. 1100 more than the, the advertised price. You know, so yeah, 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 yeah. So look, it was just, and she had no excuses for it. It was just a case of, yeah, well, the price is the price, and that's it. You Does know? it normally so, say on daft.ie five eight five per week when it isn't five eight five, or is it five eight five in the depths of winter at the lowest time of the season, or something? Yeah, I, oh, look, I suppose they want to try and get you in. They want to try and hook you, and then get you, you know, in on it. I wouldn't mind if she turned around and said even if it was up to a thousand euros, but sixteen hundred and eighty-five for a week in Ballyhigh is eleven hundred more than the advertised price. Yeah, and no offense to anyone in Ballyhigh, but come on, in all fairness, like you know, <laughs> I could. It's got it a lot that. going for it, Ballyhigh. Beautiful beaches, great restaurants. The pubs will be open. It's very scenic, but surely there should be some rules with regards to renting properties on the likes of Daft that if you put up the price. It should say from 585 or it should maybe give you uh, an option to, um, I I don't know how you get around it because clearly it's false advertising. 
It is exactly. If I was to advertise, we'd say, Jesus, if I was to advertise a car for for a thousand euros, and then someone rings up about it, and I tell them it's three thousand euros. Yeah, well, or if you said, well, if you want the wheels, the engine, <laughs> and the lights to work, <laughs> it'll cost you yeah, more. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of, yeah. Bit of a in our style, exactly. But like, uh, look, it just it makes no sense to be honest. With you. It doesn't. You know. And, and did did she say that she was getting bookings in August for sixteen eighty five? Where well, people she, pay- had, she literally had one week available, the fourteenth of August. Now, let's put it this way: you do just your simple maths, and that's six and a half thousand for the month of August. God Almighty! Isn't it incredible? I if think people, we'd all want to invest in houses in Ballyhike. If people are spending it, but maybe this is the only year you'd get something like sixteen eighty-five for a week in Ballyhike. I mean, what would what would you get if you decided to take a flight to Portugal, for instance? Well, I actually looked at a flight to Malaga, right, and a rooftop apartment, and it was nineteen hundred quid for myself, my wife, two kids, and basically flights and accommodation for a week. Oh my God! You're telling me nineteen hundred for the flights and the rooftop penthouse. Exactly. Yeah. Oh God! And 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 what are you going to do? Oh sure. Look, we'll we'll see. Some nice person might turn around and hear me on the radio and say, "Jesus, you know, I have a house for August." <laughs> what's a reasonable? Uh, what was a re? What's a reasonable price? Is eleven hundred for the week reasonable? Is twelve hundred? You know something. Look, I suppose last year we actually, in when lockdown opened up, we got a house in Kilkee. Um, and I think we paid in the region of about seven seven fifty for it. Now, let's put it this way. Even for a thousand euros, I could get a hotel for that. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe you would. But you wouldn't get a house for it, though, you know, for six, yeah, seven, eight hundred euro. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. And you might get a horse like, box, but you wouldn't get a house. You might get a caravan. You know, um, might get a tent might be the way to go and we'll all end up camping at That's, these prices it's, it's very interesting because this this is the same property that we um, that we discussed some weeks back with Carolyn who actually did all of you did it by phone but Carolyn did it by messenger and she sent me on the messages um, with regards to uh, looking for availability of this same house in July or early August um, and the the agent representing the property said, "I have one week remaining in July. Um, price two thousand one hundred, <laughs> or I can offer you a week from the twenty first of August for eighteen hundred and eighty five." Um, so I was getting a bargain. You were getting a bargain. You were getting it for two hundred less. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to ring her back. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, that was back in May, actually. So maybe she found that people weren't booking as much and dropped the price by a couple hundred. But anyway, so you haven't made up your mind as to whether you're going to stay local or take that offer in Malaga. Uh, no, look, since the Malaga one is a no-go, at the end of the day, it's the dog is, is the priority. We want to bring the dog with us. So, okay, you know, okay. Well, listen, um, if, we'll any, we'll if anybody calls with availability within your budget, I'll pass it on to you. But this new business of yours, just briefly, vinyl wrapped. What do you do with kitchens? Do you wrap them? What does yeah. that mean? I wrapped them, so instead of painting them, I wrapped them um, in a, a heavy-duty vinyl, basically. So, like, you can do your kitchen, you can do your worktop, you can do wardrobes, you can do tables, you can do pretty much whatever you look at around the house. Um, you know, obviously, the more detailed stuff takes more patience from me, but, um, yeah, you can pretty much do whatever you want, and you have over 200 colours and different textures and everything. So, 
it's basically given something old and ugly to life. Wow. I'd love to see some photographs of that. Is that a new Cork-based company? Is that is it an idea yeah, from I, over that you saw overseas or something? I actually, yeah, I've been thinking about it for, to be honest, I've been thinking about it for about two years and it took me that long to take the step and go out on my own. Do you know that kind of way? Um, and I've done it there about, about six weeks. Oh, six weeks ago. Good man. Good man. This is you probably know, so. a good time with people looking towards their home and, you know, doing a bit of uh, refurb or changing things around. So have you got a website or is it an Instagram you page? Know, at, at the moment, it's Instagram and Facebook. So you're finally wrapped um, on Facebook. And I have to go finally wrapped Ireland on Instagram because some nice man in New Zealand took the name, <laughs> even though I bought the domain name, but he took the name on Instagram. So, Can't win them all, uh, kids. So if people want to see your work and photographs of your work on Facebook or Instagram, it's Vinyly Wrapped, as in V-I-N-Y-L-Y? L-L-Y, yeah. L-L-Y. I picked, I picked the hardest word in the dictionary to, <laughs> to name a company as it. It's one of the ones that um, I can't. It's what happens to be one of the ones I can't spell. Along with everyone gets caught with it. Yeah, yeah. along with necessary, <laughs> can't spell that either. I, I won't even try that one. <laughs> all um, right. Well, listen. Uh, if I hear of anything, we'll be back to you. All right. You're looking for something right. kind of around about mid-August, is it? Yeah, around mid-August. Or Crazy. if someone wants a kitchen raft, I can do that while I'm in the house. All, all right, right, my man. Good <laughs> idea. Let me move into your. Let me move into your West Cork house, and I'll finally wrap it while I'm there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll give you a new kitchen. All right. All right, Ray. Cheers, my man. Take care. Actually, when Carolyn got in touch, she sent me um, a transcript of the conversation online, where she said, "Hi, I'm just inquiring about the house. Is it available in July, start of August? Please, kind regards, Carolyn." Uh, aging him back. Thank you for your inquiry. I have one week remaining, July twenty twenty. Saturday the 17th. The price is 2100 or I can give you a week in August 1885 Carolyn said. Thanks for getting back to me. I think it's outrageous for a week. Shame on the person that's come up with that price. Very disappointing when people are trying to stay local and support local businesses. You can pass on my email to the owners if you like. Agent said. You need to cop on. Strange isn't it how people think nothing of paying this and much more for a foreign property and then you add on the flights. Get a life. We're not all paupers anymore. And if you are, shame on you. Like, shame on you for being a pauper. Carolyn, are you the owner or the agent? That is not very professional to send an email like that to a customer. We own a house in Spain and our prices are 500 to 900 for a week. I'll be sending this email to the media. Regards, Carolyn, agent. Must be some house in Spain. Do what you like, but bitching about something's not going to change it. Those days are long God, gone, thank God. As for not being professional, do you think that anyone is going to listen to your type of crap anymore and not give you the answer you undoubtedly deserve, Mrs. Bouquet, with your French champagne expectations on a legal beer budget? I mean, you may not like her, her attitude or manner, but her prose is superb. Mrs. Bouquet, with your French champagne expectations on a legal beer budget. Caroline, really lost for words. Agent, if you're stuck for a few bob as well, let me know. Carolyn, you never answered my question. Are you the owner? The agent, you're not a customer. You have no rights to any information other than what I want to give you. So please get lost. (laughs) Waste your own time or someone else's. I have no fear of your implied threats and SHIT talk. For future reference, you should be aware that when you speak to someone in the manner in which you did, do not be surprised or get all high drama astonished and upset when you're answered in kind. (laughs) Carolyn, I spoke in no manner or threat. Have a good day. Might see you in Ballyhig and Flahives for a drink. Have a nice day. 
End of conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. You bet you keep those texts coming. Text 086-810-4106. This is the kind of rental um, you want to see. And this is from uh, Mary, who is from Cork, but has a house beautiful house in Ballyhigh. She says, I'm renting my house in Ballyhigh for 800 a week. Fab house across from the beach. I know and I'm sure I could easily have gotten 1,200 plus. Um, but I know firsthand how some people suffered during COVID and I wouldn't dream of capitalizing on COVID. I think it's just wrong. I wish I had a week free for that guy, Ray, but it's fully booked. I can understand why it's fully booked. Beautiful house right across from the beach at 800 a week. I mean, you easily could have got a grand, 1,200, 1,300 for that. But of course, morally, you couldn't do it. So well done you. Well done you. Back to the phone lines we go. Sheila, good morning. Can you turn the radio down there, Sheila, if you don't mind? I don't know if they mentioned Sorry. it to you or not, but just turn it down and we can chat then as soon as you're yeah. ready. Sorry. Hi. Okay. How are you? Good. Um, so you wanted to talk about booking Irish cottages through... A UK company? Yeah, I just found that number one, they were way cheaper, and number two, they're more dog friendly. <laughs> assuming, like you, assuming you yeah. tell them, assuming you tell them you have a dog, um, how would they ever know though if you actually had a dog? They don't come and visit you when you're in the house or the cottage, do they? Well, they do because you'd, you obviously have to pick up the keys from someone. So you'd always meet. We've always found you'd meet someone at the door you know, to get the keys and things like that. So the dog would be in the car with you. And I wouldn't feel comfortable anyway having the dog there and then, you know, not knowing about it in case... Fair enough, uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you you're know. saying, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I assume that there is a proportion of holiday rentals that don't take dogs. A lot of them. A lot would of you say, would you say the majority of them? The majority of them don't, um, wouldn't be dog friendly, I think. Which is kind of weird, really, do. because there's more hotels than ever now, right up to five star, um, who welcome dogs, not a bother. Mm. All right. Well, because generally the house, we'd go to the three bed house for the family. But um, like last year, you now we brought our dog with us in Skibbereen. And there was a, the house was a bit outside the town, all right, but it was beautiful and they were very dog friendly like I mean we left the dog in the utility room one day we went out and she was whinging because we were going to a restaurant and stuff and the owner was saying oh you know you should have left her don't lock her into the utility room you know let her run around they were very friendly <laughs> that was brilliant they the obviously love dogs themselves yeah. if you get a dog loving yeah. owner you're a, yeah. you're you're away for slates but this company yeah. that you use is a UK company Do they, is, does this company in the UK own lots of Irish cottages they do, yeah. Yeah. Like we're going to Dungarvan now. Uh, well, they say cottages, but it's houses. Like um, we're going to Dungarvan next week. So, um, but um, we're not bringing the dog this time, but because um, my daughter will be home. But um, um, we've used them the last few years, you know, and they've been, they've been quite good and quite reasonable as well. What kind of money are you playing? Uh, did, did, less than thousand euros anyway. Could okay. be eight, nine, nine hundred. When did you book it? Oh, I booked it in February. I think. Wow. Do you think if you do you think if somebody were booking something like that now through this company that there will be anything left? Uh, I don't know. Possibly. Well, maybe not because of COVID. I don't know how many Irish you you tend to go with the. I don't know how I this just popped up on my Facebook or whatever one time. So maybe people don't know about it. That's why I said I'd say it. Okay. You know, for, I know what it's like, you know, if you need to take your dog with you and, you know, you, you want, you know, they, um, 
you want somewhere that's dog friendly you know it's because it's, it's hard to get that's why I said I'd and, say it's easy. and sykescottages.co.uk do they have cottages all over the country because I see one here yeah. from from Glen Cullum Kill County Donegal that they also own I mean yeah I think that was the first one we went to actually was in Donegal and it was absolutely beautiful and everything you could possibly want was in the house they even had a welcome pack there was like bread, butter milk, eggs chocolate I hate, say, I hate saying this, but it sounds to me as if, unfortunately, a proportion of Irish owners are the ones that are ripping people off. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's more, I just found them very, you know, better to deal with. You know, you get a, more for your money, I suppose. And then the houses are lovely. They have everything in the house you could want. Like, what I found with the Irish houses as well, you know, the way you're supposed to keep it clean. But when you go in, there isn't... A, tea cloth or a towel you know maybe it depends on, on not towels but um, cleaning up stuff whereas in the psych houses they usually have the dishwasher tablets and the washing up liquid do you know mm. that you'd want to have to be going out to buy them and then mm. leave them in the shop in the house after they're just more e- easier to well it works for you and they've never let you down and let's pass it on to people if they're desperate to try and find somewhere sykescottages.co.uk with cottages yeah. all over Ireland enjoy Dungarvan yeah. Sheila enjoy it <laughs> no worries take care all Thanks. the best Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll come back to that if you have other prices with regards to holiday rentals and what you're paying, particularly the more exorbitant ones. Do you know what we should be talking about? And nobody's talking about this, apart from one email that I got asking me. I can't understand Neil why we aren't creating far more fuss about petrol and diesel prices since the lockdown. It's costing me euro and euro more than it did last February just to fill up my car for daily commutes. I've only got a 1.2 litre engine and it costs six euro more now for a fill. Surely people should be talking about it. I have no idea why petrol and diesel has gone so expensive. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago when it was a euro 14. Now it's one euro 54. I mean, it's like a 35% increase, but nobody seems to be talking about it. How many of us actually look at the price of the diesel and the petrol when we're filling uh, or getting a fill? I think it's a consumer issue, isn't it? That we need to, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter where you shop or shopping around sometimes. You don't save a whole lot in that regard. Actually, talking about consumer issues and stuff like that, um, can I just talk to Richard Grogan, the solicitor, please? Because he is just knocking it out of the park on Instagram. He's giving advice constantly to people who have issues regarding consumer issues, employment issues, and a lot of COVID-related stuff. And all of this legal advice he's giving, he's giving it away for free, which in itself is extraordinary. He joins me by phone. Richard, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. How are you? I'm very good. That's the law, and that's a fact. And I took, a, and I took a look right. at your stuff on Instagram. Why are you giving away all of this information, all of these learned skills of yours, when you could be making money charging for it? Ah, look, Neil, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole issue here now, and the, the legal profession, the solicitor's profession, I'm just one of them. As a profession, we've always been doing this, and uh, I just got on Instagram, and I said, these are short snippets of pieces of information to people. Uh, you don't, nobody wants to have litigation, and there's a lot of the stuff that's coming up is sort of is small things that somebody needs to go and talk to their employer about or that the employer needs to sort of understand small little things that can create problems in a workplace that nobody needs to have in a workplace. So when I say that's the law and that's a fact, it just kind of helps people get over difficulties and make a, a workplace a little bit better for people. Yeah, and in these COVID times, some of the questions you're being asked are connected to COVID. Like I saw one that keeps coming up on your Instagram and you do these 30 second, 40 second 
60-second max responses. And one has to do with going on holidays. Talk to me about that. All right, the issue of going on holidays is I think a lot of people uh, don't understand the, the holiday rules and they think this is it. We're going to we're going to fly out to wherever and they actually forget to look, that they have to look at what the rules are where you're flying to. So that's an issue. And then there's going to be issues flying back as well. So, But really it's a question of understanding the rules. And most people are looking at the Irish rules, but you might be looking at the French or the Portuguese rules. So, for example, if you're going to Portugal, even if you're vaccinated, you now actually have to get a negative PCR or antigen test. Even if, if you, you have the vaccine cert? Yeah, so even if you so if you decide to get on the plane, uh, which you will be able to get on at Dublin Airport or Cork, and you fly out, you suddenly find yourself that you're going to have to take a test there in the airport before you're allowed out of the place. So that could mean you lose a connection. So it's very important that you check on the other side. And this is just simple sort of consumer information and issues that people need to know about. Uh, So I put that up because people are concerned what happens when they're coming back. There's a lot of things about companies saying that when you come back from holidays that you have to self-isolate. And some of them are putting a sort of a blanket one on even places that you don't have to self-isolate. So, I mean, but you have to put that out. Is an, is an empl- and you answer this in your Instagram, is an employer allowed to ask you where you're going on your holidays? Uh, the Data Protection Commission would say no. All that you're entitled to ask is, is it safe for you to come back to the workplace? That's all that can be asked. So they can't say, where are you going? Um, can they say... Uh, you need to isolate at home for a week just so we can be sure you're okay before you come back to work and you need to do it on your own time? They can say you can, we want you to isolate at home. They can have you isolate at home for two weeks if they like. Uh, but unless there's a legal requirement for you to isolate at home, in those circumstances, the employer has to pay you and it's not extra holidays. It is most definitely not extra holidays. And if, you're, if you have to isolate at home, that is not holiday time. Just to let you know, the Organisation Working Term Act is very specific. Holidays are for rest and relaxation, not to have to sit in your bedroom. So forced quarantine in the workplace upon return is not enforceable unless you're paid. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. What a, you know, you talk about data protection, GDPR and stuff like that. Where, where does data protection and GDPR come in with people being asked to show a vaccine cert at the door of a pub or a restaurant? Um, that, uh, well, the, the government got over that problem by providing that the restaurant doesn't keep a record of it. Do they so, keep a record of your details in a restaurant or a pub? Well, they can keep a, they would have to keep contact tracing records, but they're not keeping records of whether you've got a vaccination certificate or you've got one of the other uh, authorizations to go in or that you're under 18 years of age. So they're they're not keeping any records per se, other than contact de- uh, details, which are needed for health and safety. So the government got over the GDPR issue of restaurants having to retain records. But being- by the way, that they also have the thing that if somebody comes to check on the restaurant, they have no records. So a compliance officer can walk into a restaurant to check, but what they, what is he or she actually going to be checking? Uh, nothing. They're going to say, sorry, this is an Irish solution to an Irish problem because what they've done on this is the compliance officer comes in and says, uh, has everybody, is everybody who's here allowed to be here? And they go, yes. And how do you know that? Well, we checked. How, well, can you prove that you checked? Well, no, because I can't keep any records. 
Now, the compliance officer then, let's say they say they're going to go around the tables, which the government say they're not going to do. But let's say one of them goes to the table and they say to somebody, are you entitled to be in here? And they go, yes. And can you show me the certificate? And they go, no, you've no right to ask for that. That's the way they've drafted the legislation. So it's an Irish solution to an Irish problem. Um, You're supposed to check. The compliance officer then can't check that you have checked. That makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I think people would be happy to know that compliance officers won't walk around looking for you to prove Like, that's like saying, show me identification, show me your papers. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. But if, the, if a compliance officer goes in, uh, let's say somebody phones in a complaint, just take that as an example. Yeah. Uh, there's, no, there's no method for a compliance officer to check. So if they went into a pub, they would have no idea whether people are entitled to be in there or not or whether they're carrying a, dag- a, a digital certificate or a printed copy or a QR code on their phone because they can't ask? No, unless the government bring in a regulation, they are, they're entitled to request information and you can, you, they can talk to you, but they have no power to enforce you to produce any documents. That'll hardly happen if they go on their holidays, though, will it? Well, I mean, the position on it is the people that they're having do the checking are their contracts actually are nine to half five people. This is why I'm saying it's the perfect uh, Irish example of an Irish solution to an Irish problem. You bring in very, very rigid legislation and then you put in no method of checking it. So basically it's a, what they've said is, uh, and the government have been talking about, buy-in from the population. That's so basically it. it's a, that's what they're, they, we brought in the legislation, the legislation is there um, and off you go, we'll trust you to do, you know, to, to put on the green jersey and play according to the rules but if you don't play according to the rules well uh, there's no real there's no way that we can check out whether you've broken the rules because there's nobody to check and that leads me actually to another thing that's not dissimilar to that and that is Tony Houlihan saying this morning you can kids can go into restaurants under 18s can go into restaurants and bars but don't do it it's not enforceable by law but don't do it all the same yeah, well, I mean, this is this is the the issue that we have. What we have in this country is we've got the Health and Safety Authority, we've got the HSE, we've got the Data Protection Commissioner, uh, and we have NEFET, um and the government, and there's no coordination. So everybody is going running, doing their own thing. So you know, it, it, what Dr. Holohan said is advice, and uh, that is advice. And I'm a solicitor; I take the advice of doctors hmm. but it's only advice so uh, I'm entitled if I have children under the age of 18 to say no I'm not going to follow that. What about staff then? Do you get any queries from staff and questions on your Instagram from st- unvaccinated staff who would be working in scenarios like that and you can like vaccinated people can pass on COVID are they wondering about their rights I wonder? Uh, yes they are No, I mean the position in relation to, to staff at the restaurants is you know we have a situation where you're going to be allowed in if you're vaccinated or let's take the vaccinated people in for one hour, 45 minutes, but you can be serving on tables for eight hours or 10 hours. Chalk it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, and you're not vaccinated. Now, the other issue is that in relation to workplaces, the HSA guidelines still apply so that people have to be at least a metre or two metres apart. Mm. Now, how do you... That means that you shouldn't be coming in contact with somebody within a metre. So if you're serving a table... How do you deliver the steak? 
you know, does everybody else stand up and walk back, put the mask on and walk back, or do you put it on the floor for them to come up and but take it off? That's not yeah. going to happen, like. No, no, but but yes, but, but you know, but equally, and we say more in the in the kitchen, that would be two meters apart. Now, in those situations, if an employee turns around and says, "Well, hold on a moment," there's people coming too close to me, and I don't know if they're vaccinated. And by the way, the employer can't ask anybody if they're vaccinated, so that's a problem. Um, so, uh, and even if they tell them, they can't retain the record of it. Uh, the employee says, "Well, anybody comes within two meters of me in in the kitchen, I'm moving back the two meters." And there's any detriment to the employee in that situation, then they're down to the Workplace Relations Commission with a claim under the Safety, Health and Welfare Work Act. Oh God! And you're, and there's bound to be employees who will do that, aren't there? Well, there, there will be. Yes, there will be. And but there will be some. You know, there will be a lot of people who will have genuine concerns. They'll walk in. I mean, I've got questions in from people saying, you know, uh, when we're going back in. Now, this is not, not going for restaurants because they've been open, but, you know, what's the position about a deep clean before we go back in? But there, there's going to be people who are in there. Uh, you're going to have people who may have an underlying health issue that are working in a, in a restaurant. You know, you know, genuine reasons that they will have a concern about it. So they, what we've done in this country... But they'll have masks on the staff, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if, if, if the masks were the, 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 the sole protector... You know, why would we be bothering about rules about opening up anything? So the, the answer on it, the masks are there, the hand washing is there, the sanitizing is there, and the social distancing is there. So you're- social distancing is going to be the is going to be the, the problem. And you know, an employee is entitled to turn around in a restaurant and say, I want the social distancing applied. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. End of story. And if not, I'm making a complaint to the Health and Safety Authority. And I'm not going to go within the requisite distance of anybody. And if they're told, well, you can go home now, uh, you know, because I'm not paying you to stand around and put the stake on the floor. Uh, the answer would be, right, I'll see you in the WRC. Oh, for God's sake, man. That's incredible, isn't it? Never, well, ne- they, they, they didn't bring the... Sorry, they could have brought in the rules and said, by the way, you know, there's no social distancing in restaurants. But if you go into a restaurant, you have to be... A table that you're at has to be either a metre or two metres apart. So you're sitting there having your meal and you have to be kept distant from other patrons. But the staff don't have to be kept distant from themselves. Doesn't you know, make sense. Does, it does, it, no, does, it, it no. does leave it open to interpretation first and possible possible legal action from unvaccinated staff members. How many, how many queries do you say get on, on a daily or weekly basis? Do you get many? Well, uh, I, think, I think anybody who's doing employment law at the present time, uh, the, the issue on it is it's what day do you not get 30 or 40 questions? I mean, uh, there's an awful lot of questions come in and an awful lot of it is because there's a lack of information. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lack of information. There's misinformation going out. Um, I've tried on my Instagram to, to give, this is what the law is. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not giving, I don't give up. No, you know, it's short, it's punchy, it's to the point. It's fantastic. And do you find by giving this information for free on Instagram that it boosts your traditional business? Are you busier because of it? Well, I suppose I'm reasonably well known in the employment law area, so it's not something that I did for that reason. Yeah. I did it because, uh, as a solicitor, and, and by the way, there's, there's some 
brilliant solicitors down in Cork are doing, you know, handing out free information every day. The, the legal profession does this. I never got free information from a solicitor, a solicitor in my life. It's usually €400 Euro an hour. I'd love to know well, the one that would give it to me for free. <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of great solicitors now down in, in, in Cork and in, in Munster and you go onto the website and there's very useful information there, basic, basic information from everything from buying a house to making a will. Um, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is there. The profession has always been known to do this and I'm just doing it in a different way. And there's others that do the same, that do the same thing as me. I'm just trying to do it as short and sharp and to the point and to give people, you know, information that is not readily available and sometimes to say to people, look, yeah, a lot of the questions I go, that I get come back with a, a yes or no answer. Yeah, yes, and, and I love no the, uh, just finally, I love the idea that they're asking you the question. You're not anticipating it. They're asking and you're giving the direct answer. So let's encourage more people to get in touch with you as if you're not busy enough already. Richard, go, Richard Grogan, solicitor on Instagram. Um, have a good weekend. Anything planned for the summer? Will you be going visiting a pub or a restaurant yourself? Myself? Well, uh, yes, um, I, I am going down to West Cork and the first week there in August going down to, to Skib. And I'm very much looking forward to getting into Calvo's in Skib to have coffee because uh, now she claims to have the uh, the best brownies in the world. But uh, she, she, she's wrong on that. She's claiming it. They are the best brownies in the world. So I'll be, I'll be sitting outside. I'll be sitting out Calvo, outside Calvo's having my coffee and enjoying it down there and going to Fields and going to uh, the church restaurant. And, oh, uh, the church the restaurant in Skib is just a glorious place. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, look, West Cork is great. And I would say to people, you know, if you're going to go on holidays, go on holidays. But, you know, the one thing I would say to you is, to people is, you know, remember you're, go- you're, you're going into a town and, you know, respect it on that basis and keep the social distancing. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but it's important because we, we don't want another, we don't want another surge and we want to keep every business open and keep the, 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 the towns and the whole of Cork going well. So, you know, yeah, we've got lots of friends out there and there's some great solicitors in West Cork. Uh, so I usually meet up with them for coffees and things like that. So it's, uh, I really like getting Enjoy there. Enjoy the break. West Cork is a beautiful place to be. Richard, lovely chatting with you. Perhaps we'll get an opportunity to chat in the future. I'll encourage people to go and check you out on Instagram. Appreciate you taking the call. Have a great day. Richard, Thank you. Bye. Richard Grogan, solicitor. Follow him on Instagram. I'm over time, guys. So back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Imro Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. Okay, uh, of course, next week also we'll reveal uh, all with regards to what date indoor hospitality happens. But I did mention and chatted with Michael Collins, the independent TD for Cork Southwest, about their doll motion that they had up in the doll there on Wednesday yesterday. And in fact, Danny Healy Ray was on his pins. Michael Collins was on his pins. I think maybe Michael Healy Ray as well. But it was Michael Collins described it as Kilnascully wouldn't come up with an act like this. Um, It's a mockery of data protection if citizens could be asked by other citizens about their health status. It's like a script from Kilnas Gully. In fact, um, Danny Healy Ray said, I know of stags, hens and all kinds of parties travelling up to the north to such an extent that when we're looking for beds for the cataract bus in Monhalvia, there isn't a bed to be got up there. Uh, and many of them, of course, yesterday were asking about, uh, you know, the laws with regards to data protection, which leads me along to a 90-day 
uh, and night jail sentence that was handed out in West Cork during the week. Um, I'm messaging about the lady that got a three-month jail sentence for not wearing a mask. I personally think this is ridiculous as there are more, much more important legal matters to be dealt with that get constantly pushed aside. Uh, my sister was sexually abused by my best friends. Uh, we have been waiting nearly four years for a court date. It keeps getting adjourned. She's been self-harming since the incident and is on medication. You don't wear a mask, you get a jail sentence and processed quite quickly. If you smoke weed or get caught with a couple of cannabis plants, you get jail time. Our whole family's been suffering for the past four years and the incident has traumatized my sister for life. How is this fair? Courts should be dealing with sexual assaults, rape and actual crime first. Please don't give up my personal details and I won't, but you, you, you certainly put things in perspective and, you know, bring us back to the reality uh, of life and perhaps what should be happening a lot more and a lot faster within our courts. So there's that and lots more besides. You can text 0868104106. I said I'd come back to this uh, game-changing announcement with regards to the city, particularly the Grand Parade and behind it, Bishop Lucy Park, and behind it, the South Main Street, which would be the medieval centre. 46 million to revamp the heart of the city. Uh, and rather than me reading out, and it's all in this morning's Echo, incidentally, uh, chapter and verses to what's planned with uh, computer CGI generated uh, views of what, say, for instance, Tucky Street will look like after it, what Bishop Lucy Park will look like after it, what Pope Proby's Key will look like, and the South Main Street as well. I don't know whether the computer generated images are figuring in the concert and convention centre. I'm almost half embarrassed and mortified to even bring that up. But I said, rather than me going through it, we would see if we could get the first the first citizen on the air this morning, the Lord Mayor, Councillor Colm Kelleher, joins me by phone. Lord Mayor, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So you call it um, a game changer, um, a 46 million euro game changer. Um, what's it going to be spent on? So um, uh, this Friday, um, a party's planning pro- uh, consultation process will go to the public for an eight-week period. Um, it will be uh, just in front of the counting house, uh, Bingham Crawford Counting House. Um, there's a proposed works of upgrading the plaza. There are effectively making it uh, a plaza. Um, there's works to be carried out in Tucky Street and, as you said, uh, Proby's Key. But this is a massive investment in the city, £46 million. Uh, We were briefed in council last night of the design aspects of it. And, um, you know, the I suppose... The flow that uh, city council uh, architects and engineers want to have from the eventual um, uh, counting plaza opposite Bishop Crawford, right through Bishop Lucy Park and on to Grand Parade. But what's wrong with Bishop Lucy Park as it is, for example? I'm not sure there's nothing wrong with Bishop Lucy Park, but it's, you know, due an upgrade. And we have funds delivered by government last, I think it was last April, 46 million. And it's all part of the overall master plan for uh, to go up Tucky Street, Bishop Lucy Park, down onto Proby's Quay and out in front of the counting house. Um, it's absolutely amazing. You sh- the graphics which you mentioned there, we were showing last night in council. And it, arri- it personally reminded me of uh, a place called Alstad in uh, Frankfurt. Um, which I, I would have been to a number of years ago, um, and it's just this free-flowing, 
social area, could be used possibly for farmers' markets, could be used for, you know, events that'll be happening, um, you know, hopefully when the event centre uh, gets built, it, it'll all fall into place. But this is Cork City Council doing its side of um, the public realm to accommodate the, the coming event centre. Okay, so all of the changes to all of those different streets, that would mean that it will all be pedestrianised, will they? No. No, no, not at all. I know, because um, all of the, the, the images that I see, there's no cars in them. There's just people walking around. But there are yeah, traffic lanes as well, are there? Yeah. Oh, there are tra- traffic mains, uh, our lanes, you know, from uh, South Main Street. Um, they will be, you know, similar to Alvin Duncan Street. There will be certain times of the day for Tucky Street. Um, I know the CGI graphics that were published have uh, what look like fixed bollards at the top of Tucky Street, but they're actually proposed to be, um, uh, you know, the electric bollards. Gotcha, yeah, okay. So a lot of the lanes are going to be done. I see the examiner this morning talking about the Southgate Bridge, Kaiser's Hill, Proby's Quay, French's Quay, Crosses Green, Clark's Bridge, Wandsworth Quay, Hanover Place, and Hanover Street. It's quite extensive, the changes. Does does any of it incorporate any of the derelict buildings or the abandoned over-the-shop accommodation areas? They will all remain the same, will they? Well, this is a public realm, um, uh, part eight public consultation. It's to do with the public realm, i.e. the streetscape, the landscape yeah. around. But that, um, those that, the, the buildings that surround it then, some of them which are, are falling down or decrepit or derelict, they'll still be there as an eyesore, won't they? For now, I would imagine, you know, we have 88 uh, buildings on our register in Cork City Council, derelict buildings, you know, Cork City Council uh, made an advanced, uh, I suppose, move in relation to the buildings at the top of North Main Street recently, you know, the ones that were structurally unstable. Yeah. They were... uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, engineer uh, engineering bollards to actually holding them up. They've come down now. We've got part of the streetscape back from um, North Main Street. And, uh, yeah, look, the dereliction within the city is a problem. Uh, there's no getting away from it. But, um, you know, it's it, it has to be tackled head on, but it's not going to be fixed overnight, you know. See, it's just that I did also read that it was the permanent pedestrianisation of 17 city centre streets, the facilitation of outdoor dining and the greening of the city. So it's it. The city is changing, isn't it? We've seen that with Princess Street. We've seen how it can be, how effective it can be with regards to you know even Oliver Plunkett Street itself, Caroline Street areas like that. So that's really the thought process, isn't it? To make it more people friendly, family friendly. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like you, you referenced uh, Princess Street there now, and you know Oliver Plunkett Street. And when the barriers go up, um, I was in the city. I'd say a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday and walking down Princess Street and Albert Duncan Street and if you, you know the fine weather you could have been confused you were in the south of France or something I think Covid really has um, you know uh, put a fire underneath us as a city and I think we're leading the way as the city outdoor dining I believe is here to stay um, and I, I'm very welcome of that um, the permanent pedestrianisation of certain city streets um, you know that is you know a consequence of it but it will draw people back into the city. It'll draw people back into the city centre and, you know, when hopefully, you know, this uh, Part 8 consultation will go out this Friday for eight weeks for public consultation and um, possible amendments then will be submitted by members of the public and we hope to vote in it in council in, in our October meeting to pass it. Okay, I don't want to come across as overly negative about this, but, and I know that it will mean that Cork will be the fastest growing Irish city for the next 20 years and that and that's fantastic. But I'm just curious about the money, um, because in the news at 10 o'clock, Lano O'Connor mentioned a figure of 1.7 billion euro. Is that a national figure or is that a figure for Cork? Forgive my ignorance. Do you know? 
1.7 billion euro in relation to what? Mobility, housing and making, uh, housing and place making in Cork, which will allow the city to right. become strong again. Is it 1.7 so million? In, billion? In, in um, uh, April, there was an announcement, I think it was 487 million off the top of my head. It was almost close to half a billion for, um, you know, the Docklands, for the Grand Parade upgrade, for, you know, the County House Plaza upgrade. Um, and that's just, I suppose, one avenue of funds that the central government are providing to Cork City, which indicates that they're investing in Cork City. Um, we also have the CMAT plan, which is um, okay. overall 3 billion. Um, that's to do with train stations going out to the north side of the city. A light rail system from Ballancolic down to Mahin. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline for Cork. I would be confident it can be delivered, but it's not going to be delivered overnight. So is that, is that figure close on three quarters of a billion then? Three, quart, um, three quarters of a I mean, three billion for CMAT. How much? Half a billion. Three billion for Cork. Cork. For Cork. Three billion for CMAT. And you'd be looking at close on half a billion for the regeneration of Grand Parade, uh, Proby's Key, Tucky Street, Counting House Plaza, and the Docklands. So three billion, three and a half billion, maybe even four billion. But yet the big issue is housing. Um, why in the name of God would we want to be prioritizing, pedestrianizing cities when people are crying out for housing? Why aren't the public authorities using that money to build, you own much of the land anyway, to build public authority housing estate or even get into the private private housing building game. Why? Yeah, no, look, uh, there's no issue that, uh, or there's no denying that housing is an issue um, and it has been an issue for a number of years. Um, you know, there, are, there is separate budgets within council for housing um, and this money that is, I suppose, allocated for the Part A process, that came from central government for the specific purpose. Um, we would sign off on budgets every October as a council. Um, I'd, last year's budget was near on a quarter of a billion for the city. I think it was the biggest budget in the history of the city. But no, look, the, um, the, the availability of social housing and in particular affordable housing is a key priority for this local authority and it is a key priority for this government. And it's not a key priority for this government if Fianna Fáil give you three billion to pedestrianise streets and green the city when the three billion they could put into building houses for young people. I mean, doesn't... Uh, am, I, am I missing the point here or what? There'd be a separate allocated budget. Like there's housing but then Fianna Fáil should say and Fianna Gael should say we're moving the money out of this budget. We're going to park all of this other stuff, the aesthetic work that we need to do. We're going to build houses and homes for people. 100% houses and homes for people do need to be built. But just as the Department of Marine would have its own budget and the Department of Defence would have its own budget, this is a completely separate budget that was put for the public realm. Like, we have an event centre which is about seven years in the making, Neil. And I'm sure, you know, you, we don't have to go through the trials and tribulations. No, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not giving you grief as such. I'm just looking at it through, trying to look at it through political eyes to say, OK, if there's three billion available to spend in Cork, and I know it's other budgets. You mentioned marine or defence or roads or what have you. But surely Micheál Martin should be saying, I'm going to take money out of other budgets now and I'm going to put it into housing. 
Well, I think the budget for the national housing budget is about three billion in itself. The three point five billion, which we reference to in relation to the public realm works, um, half a billion of that is available right now. The other three billion will be coming over the space between now and twenty forty. It's not in the coffers of Cork City Council yet. Or you know, these are projected works that will happen. Um, and I know I re- referenced like the uh, Part A consultation process that will go out this Friday for the public realm, um, and it will you know obviously increase the cityscape and landscape. You referenced. You reference derelict buildings. That is an issue we have to get on top of. I would be a firm believer, and I know the majority of members of council are a firm believer to get people living back up. I know, I know that. I understand that. And again, I don't mean to be kind of driving you crazy about this, but 46 million to do work on the Grand Parade area could be better spent in building 46 million euro worth of houses. That's what I'm saying. This year alone, there'll be a thousand houses delivered by Cork, uh, in Cork City uh, for social housing alone. Um, 46 um, uh, million on a public realm um, it's, it's long overdue it's long long overdue like there's issues there with the part of South Main Street that's been neglected over the years you referenced derelict buildings and stuff like that but you know the, the housing issue is uh, the, the, the hot topic Neil there's no getting away well, well it's just that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and all of the political parties go on about a housing crisis in Ireland but yet they can find two or three billion to other things that aren't housing related in a time of crisis. I suppose that's the, just the point I'm making, you know? Well, the two or three billion you're referencing, there's been three billion put into housing. So there's actually more being put into housing, you know? So, um, but again, separate budgets. You know, this is, this is a good news story for the, for the city. Public realm will have a, a counting plaza outside the counting house in Beamish and Crawford. Live Nation, who are in charge of, I suppose, the event centre or heavily involved in the event centre, they're now in the stage of launching an internal design uh, uh, team um, possibly we're probably looking about nine months on that so once that happens then we're probably looking at about and that's signed off we're probably looking at about an 18 months construction for the, the, the eventual event centre and there's been a lot of twists and turns in this process and all parties are you know heavily committed to it in relation to the public realm side of things Cork City Council side of things um, like we will go as, a, as, as I said out for public consultation and we'll hopefully vote on it in the October meeting um, it looks very promising I would be hopeful that it will pass council with construction to begin in early 22 and finished in the quarter uh, quarter three of 2023. OK, OK, all right. Good news indeed. I don't mean to give you grief. I'm just talking about the allocation of funds and the political structure that we live in now. But undoubtedly, it's going to be a much more beautiful city than it is already. So bring all I that on one, nonetheless. I have one, I have one. I suppose, uh, you know, thing that I'm unhappy about this. Um, my predecessor um, or, or, you know, my successor, whoever they may be in 2023 will, uh, you know, get the honour of putting their name in a plaque of this beautiful upgrade to the public realm of the city. I'm just sorry, my name won't be honest, Neil. I know. Well, that's the way it goes, Pad. you got to hand the baton on at some stage, but not any time soon, Colm. So thanks for taking the call for now. Appreciate it. Not Cheers. a problem, Neil. Thank you. It's Thank on you. your watch. It's on your watch. The Lord Mayor, Councillor. Colin Kelleher. Your thoughts on that are welcome, particularly some of the points that I was attempting to make. Agree or disagree? Text 0868104106. The Neat. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Don't get me wrong, I do, I love my city more than anywhere else in the whole wide world and I want it to be beautiful and I want it to improve and get better and better. But this morning they've been throwing billions around like confetti at a wedding. And to me, I always thought that the big issue here is building houses, you know, whether they're public authority, whether they're private estates, whether they're a mix of both. I would have thought that that's 
the drive that we would have now with all of these billions. And you would take it out of other budgets if they weren't necessary right now, this minute. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, text 0868104106. Lots of different emails. Oh, yesterday, uh, I was down west, I was down in Port McGill, I bumped into a lovely family who were down there on holidays in particular. They were having some lovely meals down in the Fisherman's in the village. Joy Crowley, who's away on holidays, celebrates her birthday, or at least did yesterday. And I promised to give them a shout out down west this morning. So happy birthday. I hope you had a great day yesterday. Joy, celebrating the day that you came into the world. Um, interestingly, a couple of emails regarding that. My daughter had a baby last Friday night and had an awful experience, nearly 30 hours labor. And she could, and she had to have a section then after all that. It was awful because her mother couldn't go in. Then the baby had to go straight to neonatal. My daughter was so upset after the traumatic experience. She was very upset. But I do want to thank the nurse who, when she realized she was upset, made her tea and toast and spent just 20 minutes sitting, talking to her. That nurse was an angel. I wish I could have been there for her. Thankfully, both the well and due home tomorrow. So I can't wait for the cuddles, says Barbara. But not such a happy experience here. Just a quick mail to let you know, since you covered the situation regarding partners' rights at the COMH in May, not much has really changed. While my wife had a great had great medical care recently at the COMH, in my experience, communication between the hospital and partners is non-existent between the hospital and partners. It appears the medical facility are putting the burden of expectant mothers in the throes of labor, putting the burden upon them in the throes of labor to update their partners on their progress. Recently, my partner had a daughter through emergency C-section after medics were unable to get a trace on the child that was eventually delivered safely at 35 weeks. It was a text message from my highly distressed partner that alerted me that she was heading for the emergency procedure. I was at home in a Cork City satellite town when the message came through. Surely there should be a liaison person in the labour ward, just one who can communicate with partners rather than putting the burden on pregnant, delivering labour women. To top it all, and I think this is bizarre, to top it all, when I went to collect my child, I was prevented from doing so as I had already been in to take my partner and child's bag to the car. Having done so, I went back into the hospital to collect my child. And I was told, you were in already, it's one visit a day. After some choice words, I was eventually allowed back in to bring my girls home. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Sorry, you were you were in already to get the bags, so you can't go back in a second time now. You've been in already, even if it is the case that you want to go in to get your newborn baby. We can't facilitate that. <laughs> anyway, a few choice words fix that one, if nothing else. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to emails and texts in a few minutes' time. Sam standing by. First up, Sean. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I started this morning on Daft.ie adverts. Ridiculous yeah, amounts um, of money that do, that bear no resemblance to the actual figure quoted on Daft for a holiday I rental. Happened, so yeah, go ahead. I happened to be on Daft uh, this morning as well. I was looking at house shares, and I noticed there was one in in Cork looking for someone that was vaccinated or partially vaccinated. And I was thinking, if it's just one house, they asking for this. You know, it's you know, it's not really it's their business. You know what they want to have. Oh, so somebody looking to to get a room in a house with others in a house share has to be has to prove they're vaccinated. Yeah, in this case, yeah. Wow. There was four ads in the country that mentioned 
vaccinations. Now, the others just said they were letting people know how many people in the house had been vaccinated. But there was this one ad in Cork that actually said they were looking for someone that had a vaccine taken. So to, so to, to an extent that what they're saying is only vaccinated people with the cert to prove it should apply. Pretty much, yeah. Well, and if it's it, not a if far stretch of the imagination to suggest that the same could be happened for it could happen with a job uh, application, couldn't it? Yeah, I, I was on there. Well, a vaccine. If you want to be an audience member in the late late show, you you have to be vaccinated. If I was um, applying for jobs last year, and if I failed the PCR test, I wouldn't get the temporary job. So it started last year. You could say already. Yeah. That's kind of like below the radar, though, you know, going to the late late or going into a gig or going to the Wimbledon tennis or, you know, going to Wembley. Although I don't think they were. I don't know what the story was in Wembley or anything like that. Were they vaccinated? Were they PCR tested? Well, they weren't wearing their masks anyway, so they felt safe enough in there. But what I'm saying is where things would be actually advertised to say um, only vaccinated or partially vaccinated people should apply. Yeah, and I'm not sure do Daft have rules about you know, who, who, what you can kind of discriminate against. Do you find it divisive? It is, like, and I, I don't want to be creating this um, divide between vaccinated or unvaccinated people, you know, but with what the government pa- passed uh, in the doll last night, you know, it, it's it's looking bad, really, for the future, you know? In what sense? I mean, they're trying to uh, divide people in pubs and restaurants. They'll have to stop calling them public houses now because they're not public anymore. Private houses, maybe. So you, so you are of the belief then that the doors should be thrown out, thrown open indoors for everybody. Well, we just have to have a serious conversation about uh, about the, the the basics first. Like I was on a few weeks ago, and I think my point got taken up uh, wrongly. I said the, the creator of the PCR technology said the PCR test. Had been misused. No, I know that you did say that, but I went and fact-checked it and he denied ever saying that in the first place. No, but the fact-check put a different spin on it. The fact-check said that um, PCR can detect COVID, and it can. That's not disputed. See, the fact-check was kind of on something else. So you're fact-checking the fact-check. There's nothing I can do about that except give you an opportunity to air your own thoughts or your own views, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just... I mean, there's so many writers are to blame, really, and the other, the journal that I, who put out the fact check that was kind of misleading, you know. Um, so just to, we have to talk about the basics, really. That, that's what I'd like to see being talked about. Okay. I'm just um, wondering, is it, would it be a reasonable thing for three people who are sharing a house and bathroom facilities and a kitchen facility with another person and they're all vaccinated? Would it not be reasonable for them to assume or to hope or to insist in this case that the person they're sharing with is like them and vaccinated? Well, you could look at it at the other side as well. I mean, this is an experimental treatment. This new technology that's never been tried before. Would would a person be happy living with someone that's after taking this experimental drug? It, it hasn't been tried. We don't know the long-term effects. Can it... What can, what can a virus can... Could live in a, in a person that has this... Vaccine. New technology, yeah. new vaccine, yeah. yeah, yeah. For those unknowns. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, well, thanks for highlighting the issue of uh, of these ads appearing for vaccinated people only. It is another example, I suppose, of the divisions within society yeah. that have been created. And, 
and more so next week. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Uh, good conversation on air recently, Neil, but you have you need to have the likes of Ivor Cummins, who is Irish and lives in Ireland, on air. It would be great. He's already been on British media talking about the facts and figures of COVID-19, but you'll never get the likes of him on our national airwaves. Ivor Cummins knows his stuff and is a great conversationalist, says Mick and Bantier. I'm happy to talk to Ivor Cummins any day at all. Uh, your caller at the moment is talking about case numbers going up. Case numbers mean nothing. It's the number of people in hospital and dying is what we should be focusing on. And to tell you they are very minimal um, is exactly how it is. We're brainwashed by constant fear and propaganda from the likes of RTE. This constant airing on case numbers has to stop. Dublin, incidentally, continues to be the highest. Uh, just give the ICU numbers, please. Just give the numbers of those in hospital. Herd immunity is bubble land. Uh, will we do this for the flu as well, I wonder, says Shiona. In fact, M- Michael and Ballyvalan picks up on my conversation with Mick Barry TD regarding herd immunity. I never heard such bull. It's only Mick Barry and Boris believe in herd immunity nonsense. Mick speaks out of both sides of his mouth, as usual, saying we want the jobs, but we want business to remain closed. Which is it? To be fair, in relation to rental accommodation, though, he is spot on. Following Sinn Féin and Ken O'Flynn, as usual, though, says Michael in Ballyvalan. Neil, you gave out a complete list of apprenticeships on air yesterday. I'm looking for an apprentice painter, and they just cannot be got. Um, the Opera House were in touch because I had been asking questions as to how they did that marvellous gig last week. And they said, Cork Opera House rigidly adhered to the safety precautions to ensure the live event went to perfection. We had all our restrictions in place. We followed all of the guidelines. We were very rigid with the safety precautions. It was all based on strict social distancing measures. We sold tickets in pods of two and we had a meter between people. So you had two people, a meter, two people, a meter. People were all wearing masks. And it went off like a dream. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. I don't know. I mean, it just, I just can't, it just doesn't sit right with me. Single room and four bed house looking for vaccinated, partially vaccinated. That's the ad up on, on DAF this morning. Actually, talking about properties and accommodation and going on your hollies, holliers and what have you. Linda standing by. But up first up is Tracy. Tracy, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How You're are you? off to uh, Trabalgan on Monday and you got Correct. yourself a great deal, did you? Well, I think it's an excellent deal. We're going uh, Monday for five days, four nights, um, 700 euro for six people. So it's working out at 140 a day, which works out at just over 22 euro per person. Amazing. What do you get for yeah. that, incidentally, at Travolta? Now, with that, you'll get your swimming. That's included. Your swimming is free of charge. Um, your mini golf, you just give a deposit. And when you come back with the golf sticks and the balls, they'll give you a deposit back. And then uh, they have a new a new mini golf. It's like a big green, but you bring just a regular ball and you play mini golf. Right. And also this year, their beaches after opening, they have a beautiful beach on the like outskirts up on the. It's in the facility, but it's like around the border of Trebulgan. Obviously, so, it's out into the harbour. Yeah, on the right. harbour. And yeah. it's fantastic down there. And then obviously um, it's safe. I mean, the, well, my girls now are 15 and 17 and they're bringing friends. The kids' ages are gone. But like there's CCTV everywhere, there's security everywhere. Like no one can go missing. And the the, the pool uh, tendency, um, 
this year now they don't have day passengers like you could go down before and you could just pay to get in and you're in for the day and then you leave that yeah. afternoon or evening yeah. that's not allowed now this year because of Covid So you have so it to yourself only- then and I've never been there so what is what's the story of the regards to catering or other facilities like that is it restaurants now, or? You have the option like in, in we're going for the Sycamore now it's a beautiful house with a lovely um, glass sunroom three bedrooms the top floor is an ensuite so I'll take that the kids can have the bedrooms downstairs <laughs> you have your cooker your washing machine your dryer like so it's actually a holiday you're going on but we do all the washing and drying while we're down there so you're coming home with no dirty clothes or anything and this is all included in your price so down there then you have um, trampolines you've golf you've swimming you've go-karting now obviously zip wiring and then you pay per activity but I mean the swimming mini golf and foot golf and the beach being open that's automatically with your package and is there, a, is there a restaurant where you can get a snack there or is, an lunch or is yeah, there, there is can you go in bar. next week for an old glass of Chardonnay or something well I don't drink but yes you well, can d- 10 or then yeah 10 over Club Orange or Day 7 up you can of course there's outdoor eating there's like um, they would have I forget the name but now they do like pizzas burgers chips it's like um, we'd say a McDonald's type but they also do pizzas and that's open I think till midnight every night because across from that kids. you have a bar restaurant they do bingo they do discos or oh, the discos for the kids that's all included free of charge kids must love it do you know what? Now, from the time, like, my, I've been going there years, and when mine was small, they just used to be mesmerised, like, with all the characters down there. Do you know what I mean? Well done to Toboggan. It sounds fantastic. Only 40 minutes away, it's clean, it's spotless, and they're just so nice, the staff down there, I couldn't fault them one bit. And did you book it recently, or did you have to book way you in advance? You know what, now, Neil, I had a book for last year, to go last year, but... Um, they, I know someone that's only booked it a few months ago and they're going a week after us and I think they paid seven fifty. but through COVID last year they, they they offered us a full refund or to change the dates so we just changed the dates and what I love about it Neil is I'm in Carrigline area you're only 40 minutes down the road they did everything right including offering yeah, a I, rebooking or a refund I wish them well that. and, and even the other day we just had to confirm they sent an email to confirm that there's no COVID COVID symptoms and you haven't been out of the country uh, the, yeah. the norm really yeah. like you would with anywhere you're going into and um, they also had down the end then um, like if this doesn't suit you we can offer you a full refund which I think is amazing isn't it great customer service well done and it's right fantastic. and right know, on our doorstep yeah. yeah yeah totally and you know what that's why I think at the moment they're fully booked for the complete summer and even October for midterm and stuff but as I said the weather is meant to be great next week anyway but now I have been down there when it did rain but it wouldn't matter Neil because you've indoor discos you've bingo over on the bar side um, you have the funny characters that do outdoor shows see a lot of it is canopies also yeah, so you yeah. social distancing and they have a shop they have everything on the one ground let's have a look at uh, let's have a look at next week for you I know the weekend is going to be is going to be great Saturday and Sunday yeah. going to be terrific um, Monday isn't too bad Tuesday is nice there's, there's sunshine yeah um, Wednesday, yeah, sun, sunny spells and cloud, around about twenty-two to tw- twenty to twenty-two degrees. Changes a bit on changes a bit on Thursday. Um, temperatures yeah. drop a bit. There's a few 
dodgy old shower is knocking around, but not much. We'll be indoors then. Yeah, yeah we can go indoors then for that. Do you know what? And they have tennis courts, they have football courts, they have everything, Neil. It's amazing. Well done. You and should like be when you work it out per um, per person, it's, I think it's twenty two fifty nine. Okay, they should employ you doing PR and marketing. Have a great Thank holiday, you, Tracy. It's well, it's well. Thank you, Neil. Cheers. Take care. Fantastic. Bye, bye. All the stuff you can do. Actually, just a, by the way, um, for the first time, I'd say. Since I was in short pants, um, myself and my son and my daughter are going for a game of pitch and putt. I think we're going to Douglas Pitch and Putt Club this evening, so that should be a good laugh. <laughs> you know, mini, it's not, not quite, it's not quite mini golf, but it's cheaters golf, I suppose. But uh, talented people playing pitch and putt. Actually, I was cycling out here last week along by the Curraheen Park. There, you can come along the beautiful walk. You know, you can drive or sorry, you can cycle or walk the Model Farm Road to Corrine Road along the most beautiful, beautiful stretch of pathway and, you know, countryside and river and what have you. And it was very early in the morning on a day last week and I was patching, passing the pitch and putt club on the way. And there was nobody playing pitch and putt at the time because it was like 20 past seven in the morning. But there was at least two dozen, at least two dozen rabbits just sitting there like, um, like in a group, you know, like a gathering of rabbits. Total silence. I don't know whether they were communicating telepathy-wise or whatever. But it's a beautiful sight to see just sitting there. So quiet and so peaceful in the morning. It looked lovely. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. My apologies to Linda. Uh, Linda, good morning. 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 So you're, you're back from a three-week stay in Castle Gregory. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And for the three... Was it three... The three weeks were... Was 2,100 for three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. 700 a week for the house, yeah. Yeah, isn't yeah. it extraordinary the difference in prices? Yeah, unbelievable. I just like I just sent the text in. I didn't know I'd be chatting. No, because because the another fellow then in, in yeah in over in uh, in Bally Hig, yeah. um, one thousand eight hundred for a week. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. And we had a three bedroom detached house in a little square with five houses, five minutes from beach, restaurants, bars, everything basically. There's a fabulous beach there with water sports for the kids. Beautiful. It's, well, I love it there. It's my favourite place to go to in, in Ireland. And um, it's, it was fabulous. Yeah, 700 fabulous. a week. And a did, week. did you yeah. book it? bedroom detached house. Yeah. Did you book it like months and months and months ago or what? Well, we decided a few months ago, probably April, I think. And we I just got onto the Castle Gregory Information Centre. We've been going there for years. But um, there didn't seem to be anything available, so they just gave me a list of names, rang a few. This lady came on, and she had it available for the last week in June, and then she got a cancellation for the first, the sorry, the second, the last week in June and the first week in July. And did she say um, why it was seven hundred? Did you ask why it was cheap? That's what she charges. That's what she always charges, and she she didn't put it up the price just because I know some people are jumping on the bandwagon. They are. She obviously wasn't, and I was speaking to a few people down there, and I don't think they were paying anything extortionate, to be honest. Well, with fair you, play you know? then. Some people have moral yeah. compass when others don't. Yeah, exactly. And and three yeah, weeks? Did you 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 didn't go stir crazy in three weeks? Did you? No, it's not too long. No, no God, no. I'd live down there to be honest. <laughs> Stay there longer. I didn't want to come home. But um, I yeah, I just it's my favorite place, as I say, to go to. So three weeks is lovely, and we didn't get to go on holidays last year. So well done. We just extended it a bit this year. So Lovely you're back now, rested. Days. Full of the That's joys. Right, Usual three weeks, great weather. Just to say that, like, not everybody is jumping on the bandwagon. Good like point. Well made. That's fantastic. Seven hundred yeah. a week, three weeks in Castle Gregory. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate it. Okay, no bother. Uh, I mentioned earlier on uh, with regard. I was chatting with with Sean, who came upon the daft ad for a house share, vaccinated 
people need applied. Sean, another Sean, did you hear that hey, conversation? Neil. I did, I, I did. My blood is boiling, Neil, to be honest with you. Um, I just, where does it end in terms of discrimination? Do If I'm letting a room in a house and I don't want to live with someone who has cancer or has a disability, I mean, is that okay? I just, I'm well, kind of... I don't know about I don't, I don't know about cancer to a misfortune with cancer, but it's not um, it's not contagious. But maybe there could be an ad saying no communicable diseases need apply. Yeah, well, my my point is where where does it end? When 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 does discrimination stop? Like when is the when is is it not okay to do something like that? Yeah, I That's mean, how far do you point. take it? Like we have, like for instance, nationally, there's been an out- a very, very bad outbreak of, of syphilis. Would you, would they yeah. be suggesting that in a student rental, say for instance, not necessarily students, but I'm giving it as an example, that a, um, that a, a clear syphilis syphilis certificate needs needs to be presented? Yeah, but who even has the right to ask that? Well, you don't actually. That's my point. And where where does it end? You know, and and the, the, the other point. Well, would you be, you can't you can't legally say to somebody you have to have a vaccine certificate to rent the bedroom. Legally, that's just what Richard Hogan said there a few minutes ago. He said you can't can't do that. But that's not Richard what's Grogan. happening in reality, right? Well, clearly, if there's an ad on Daft saying, "What was the words of it again?" Single room, four bedroom house, looking for vaccinated, partially vaccinated. Like correct. And, and the next point on that, Neil, is th- those three people are vaccinated, so they're protected. I mean, what is their concern if someone unvaccinated comes into the house? Surely that's their risk that that unvaccinated person is taking, no? No, no. I mean, I mean, far be it for me now to be giving you the RT mantra on this, but, not, but a vaccinated person um, can also get COVID from an unvaccinated person and pass it on then to an unvaccinated person. Yeah, but it's transmissible whether you're vaccinated or not, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So the worry would be that if an unvaccinated person came into the living quarters of three vaccinated people, they would give COVID to the vaccinated people who would then give it to um, other people in the community who are unvaccinated. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fair enough, which is absolutely but fair But where enough. does it end? Like, where, where does it end? Well, that's the point. Like, I mean, if if, if we were hearing these things this time last year, we would have been outraged, but it just seems to be people are accepting it now as the norm. Next year, is it going to be 10 times as bad and it's just going to be the norm? I just, I, I think it's crazy. Well, that's the point I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Is this acceptable? Is it necessary? Because it, it sits uncomfortably with me as well, I have to say. But others might say that it is a necessary requirement in the times we live in now. I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I absolutely think it's unnecessary. And I think... The way the the way it's going is just um, is crazy. I mean, I drove up from Cork uh, yesterday. We attended a, a, a march outside the convention centre, and there was oh, I got grief over that this morning, there. saying I should be ashamed of myself. What what was that? The march? Actually, can you can you can, you can you hold on after eleven if you don't mind? Because somebody's taken me to task saying that uh, I should be ashamed of myself. That uh, people will never forgive you for not talking about that. So you can tell me a little bit more about it after eleven. Back after eleven. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Friendeville Show.
Show. On the 90-day sentence of Margaret Buttermer, it is her right, it is her right not to wear a mask. Free the abandoned ones, says John. Uh, just two or three more on this. I don't get why anyone could have sympathy for a woman. We all need to comply. She didn't just want to wear, she, if she didn't want jail, mask up. She's nothing more than an attention seeker. Um, uh, I don't know. Remember, if you're a judge, you can do what you like. Also, remember what the bankers did. People have short memories because of all the bull. The media is feeding it. Uh, don't think that's altogether true um, with regards to uh, how the judiciary works. Um, you know, there was an opportunity for her to learn and, uh, you know, got suspended sentence for it, went out of the court and then continued to wear the mask. I think maybe to some extent... Some might say that the judge back to the wall on that one. What can you do? Uh, others suggested in the Vox, though, at the, at the same time, that maybe a community service could have been given or a hefty fine. Uh, regarding the wearing of masks, back at the beginning of COVID, we were all told repeatedly that masks were ineffective uh, at containing the spread of COVID-19. Now they're mandatory. Masks are there to remind everyone of the pandemic. That is the only reason we're forced to wear them. Masks actually do not protect us. So there you have it, a selection of texts. I ran out of time with regards to Sean, who travelled to the convention centre yesterday. I think he was one of something like 10,000 people who gathered at the convention centre, I believe. Sean, good morning. Is there a number for yesterday? Neil, how are you? Yeah, I wouldn't know exact numbers. I I certainly wouldn't think it was 10, maybe more like... uh Five or six thousand, but yeah, I mean, it was it, there was there was a huge turnout over the Samuel Beckett Bridge, right down in front of the convention center. Uh, it, it was an amazing turnout. We spoke with you know all walks of life. We spoke with people from Galway, Clare, many up from Cork. Uh, you know, there was parents with families there, buggies. It was just a really nice event, and it, you know what? It, it wasn't really COVID related. Uh, Neil, this is more about discrimination, you know, um, and just taking people liberties away and taking freedoms away. I don't agree with the government the way they're pushing through legislation. You know, it's it's done on an emergency basis, but we we've already seen that the emergency. But it is connected to COVID, though, Sean, isn't it? If you talk about like Dermot O'Quayle talks about discrimination, medical apartheid, enforced vaccine passport systems, all of that is because of a pandemic, yeah. It is correct. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, where where do we go with this? When does it stop? We see that the emergency legislation that was implemented early last year hasn't been reversed. I mean, I certainly don't think come October 10th is is the date they're giving for reversing this legislation. I don't for one second think it's going to be reversed. And you know what happened at the convention centre last night? Is that being widely reported on? I mean, were there speakers there? What happened? I'm not quite sure. We drove up late last night. We came down very early this morning for work purposes. But um, I don't think it's been widely reported. Um, I mean, I I think there was some, you know, freelance journalists there last night. They were doing interviews. There was a lot of camera presence and whatnot. Um, But but I'm not quite sure about the, the overall media presence. Yeah. Interesting. But were there talks? Were there speakers there? Oh, absolutely. It was a very, very well run event. Yeah, saying saying what? Just, just mainly around this legislation. That's that's why it was held outside the convention centre because the legislation was voted upon. Um, I think it was around twelve midnight last night. Yeah, and this is the this is the um, vaccine cert being needed for entry to different places. The vaccine cert being needed to travel. Um, the the right. ho- what went on at the at the convention centre was advertised as no to vaccine passports. Last chance to stop the legislation. 
no to discrimination, no to segregation. Wasn't that it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 there's no anti, anti-vaccine uh, agenda here, really. This is purely around this periphery uh, government agenda here, in, in my opinion, around the legislation being pushed through, just liberty, freedom and liberties being taken away. There's no, there was no anti-vaccine agenda okay. there last night. It was okay. very much around the legislation, around vaccine passports. And there was a lot of narrative around why are we, why are we listening to Neffet so vigorously on the PCR tests, the antigen tests, when every other country in Europe are using these as a measure to allow their countries open up safely. And to move around, yeah. Um, just just with regards to everybody's, you know, your rights, and you do have rights, and those that went have rights last night. But somebody here texts, but everyone is on about their rights, Neil, but what about the right not to get COVID and to take the necessary measures to prevent it? You know, Do you know what that texture means by that? Their rights as well? Absolutely, I do. And look, there's, there's two sides to this conversation, and I think an open and honest conversation is what's required here. Ho- however, what I would say is, is over Christmas, I had COVID, Neil, right? Okay. Um, okay. You know, I, I'm not saying COVID isn't a, a deadly virus. It absolutely is. However, I mean, I overcame COVID. I got an antibody test. Seven months, six, seven months later, I still have antibodies in my system. And, and I asked the doctor in Cork City who gave me the, the antibody test. I said, you know, if I come back with antibodies, you know, why would I get vaccinated? And they said there would be absolutely no reason to do so. Mm. So you and haven't, I, you're not for vaccinating then, no? Uh, no, 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 no. I will get vaccinated. I have no problem with getting vaccinated. I've been vaccinated from any other things. I just don't feel the need right now for me to get vaccinated because I've had COVID in December. I have antibodies in, in my system. So I'm protected just to the same level, if not more, than a vaccinated person. So why would I get vaccinated at this point in time? So many people who would have been at the convention centre last night, or indeed those that were at Hall Martin's constituency office last night as well, would be blown away or incensed when they hear of adverts for people in house shares looking only for vaccinated people. Is that the kind of segregation and discrimination that gets you... I don't know, is angry the right word? Angry? Um, absolutely. I, I don't, I mean, look. There is no I'm need not, for I'm it. Not in, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not in the market for a room, right? But if I was, um, would those three people take it as acceptable that I've had the virus? Would they discriminate against that? Would they say, oh, well, you've had the virus. We don't want, we don't want you living with us. Would, would it be acceptable to them that I have antibodies and I'm, I'm protected? I know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 look, there are so many variables to this conversation and there are so many uh, metrics and topics we can talk about. But for me, it's around the, discri- the discrimination piece. Where, where is this going to end? You know, are they, they're going to ask everyone for their papers walking into to pubs to have a drink. I mean, come on. It's crazy. But then you had between seven and 10,000 people last night, no masks. All up close and personal. Oh, absolutely not. There was plenty of people wearing masks. Was there? Well, I'm, I'm just looking at a video here from TikTok and I don't see any masks. Well, I, yeah, look, I mean, I can tell you, I, I, I was there in, in the flesh. There was plenty of people wearing masks. Okay. Um, you know, it was a very, very well-run event. It was, as I said, there was parents with kids, buggies, families, 
you know, we spoke with people from all different parts of the country. Um, you know, many of the people I spoke to last night, Neil, they're not anti-vaccine, but they are against the discrimination that is right here and right now, but also very fearful of what's coming down the line, right? Will kids in September under the age of 12 be made vaccinated to go back to school? Where does this end? What if people don't want to get their kids vaccinated? Will they need to be homeschooled? Where, where, where are we going with this? That's mm, my question. Mm, okay. Okay, I didn't want the opportunity to pass to the, and, and miss out talking to somebody who was at that, um, at that yeah. gathering last night. It made no difference at the end of the day because they just passed the vote anyway. Um, but maybe that wasn't the by, point. By six votes, Neil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it, you know I, I heard people on... I don't know if it was your station this morning or another when I was driving down quite early, but um, they were saying it was passed by, a, you know, a huge majority. It absolutely wasn't. Six votes. Was that all? Just the six? Six votes, yeah. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So and and um, John O'Donovan and others were protesting outside Hall Martins last night. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that wasn't his home, that it was his constituent. Was it his home, do you know? There were two plainclothes guards no and two... Two uniform guards. There's about 200 of them at the protest. Um, but I have absolutely no idea. I didn't even realise there was a there was a, a get together or a march or a protest in Cork last night. Yeah, well, there was. Uh, there was a couple of hundred. But, but as I say, uh, I I don't know where they. I think they gathered in they gathered in Turnus Cross. But um, that would be the constituency office. Then I would. It was the constituency office on Evergreen Road. You're right. Yeah, to raise awareness of their opposition to the bill, which would result in discrimination, medical apart- apartheid, and the enforced vaccine passport system. So a couple of hundred there. That was peaceful, also. In fairness, I have to say, which is good. And, and last night was very peaceful. It was yeah. an extremely well-run event. There was there were speakers there. Um, it was is that the last of it? Is there another planned? No, I think they, they mentioned last night that there there's actually another very large march, march tonight. They're marching on the Oireachtas because they, they, this bill needs to be passed through the Oireachtas tonight as well, right? So um, there's going to be a similar event tonight, of which I, I won't be travelling again. But Okay, well, you were last night. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you have the courage, your convictions. Sean, thanks, thanks for holding on. Thanks for waiting for me to come back after the news. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Not at all. Have a good day, Neil. You too, my friend. Lines open at one 104 106 Michael standing by and uh, lots more besides. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, uh, Michael's way down West Corkway. Uh, Michael, good morning. Good morning, Niall. Not for the first time, of course, people in rural Ireland find themselves at the, the butt end of a, of a, a bad health system. Um, and this is another example of it regarding your wife. Go ahead. Yeah, um, my wife has had to have uh, several procedures in CUH. And because we live in West Cork, even though the, our local hospital has a swap centre, mm. she has to go to St. Mary's in each time a couple of days before going into CUH. Now, no problem with uh, having a swab, understand totally, but travelling maybe an hour, an hour and a half, two hours to get for five minutes is a bit ridiculous. So it's two hours up and two hours back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about travelling if you're travelling from West Cork to Cork City, okay? Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's two hours each way. Right, yeah. And, you know, you're kind of travelling up and you're travelling down Again, understand why the swabs are there, fair enough. But the ironic thing, or the annoying thing, is there is a swab centre in our local hospital five minutes from us. So, yet, go CH there. Won't, 
HCHO's, except those swabs. But it's a hospital, isn't it? It's an HSE hospital? It, yes, it's a HSE hospital, but they said, no, we have said some, can't we go? There's a swab center in our local hospital, five minutes from my door, right? I can actually see the hospital from my door. And they won't allow it. Now, so can I ask really you, what is, what is that hospital? Yep. What, what's the name of the hospital? Bantry Hospital. Ban- Bantry. A perfectly yep. good hospital for what it does, isn't it? Yeah. Does the CUH don't trust the Bantry swab or something? I don't know. I don't know. And the other thing is now, my wife has to go in next month to Bantry General Hospital for a minor procedure. And she can get the swab done in Bantry for the Bantry Hospital. So she's doing an operation um, in Cork, is it? Her her treatment is in Cork. She has to go up next Monday for treatment in Cork. And she has to go up ahead of that to get the COVID, the pre-COVID test. Then go back down and then come back come up back for up. the treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't the first time this has happened, right? This isn't the first time. This is our fourth or fifth swab, okay? Up to Cork, right? Uh, but we can, we, can, we can put in a... It's a simple question can be put into the HSC locally as to why they don't accept um, uh, a pre-COVID test from Bantry. If they're doing it in Bantry Hospital, then why don't the HSC and COH accept yeah. it? It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense, you know? And it's more annoying now because the fact that uh, because she's having the treatment at Bantry Hospital next month, they have no problem accepting it. You understand, right? You know, like it's just sick. Why it's won't the CUH accept a Bantry You're sure of that, like? You're sure that... 100% this. because we, we asked, we questioned them. We said, look, we're traveling up from West Cork. Can't we get it done somewhere there? And they said, no. Right? It has to be St. Mary's. And it has because they are centralized in St. Mary's or something. That was the excuse they gave. They said, no, Bantry is not good enough. It's the same system, same swab, same results. And how quickly do you get the result? Well, normally she gets it with 24 hours. Thing was, uh, she was up last week or two weeks ago, and she didn't actually get the results. We had to ring CUH and track down the results before she could go You in. might say something if they said, no, you have to come up to our hospital, take the test, and we give you the result within 15 minutes. But it doesn't matter at all if it's 24 no, hours. No, <laughs> it's, it's, no, it doesn't matter at all. It it's very matter. unfair on people sense. who live in, the, in country areas, isn't it? It does, yeah, it is. I knew, take, well, you take, uh, we're fairly active, so we would take an elderly person, right, pushing on to their 70s or 80s, whatever, and they have to travel from West Cork by whatever means for five minutes and travel back down again. And bypass no, their own sense. and bypass their own local and bypass their own facilities. Be, I'm, ju- I'm, right? curi- I'm curious myself anyway as to the reasons behind this, so let's find out, all right? Yeah, okay. And like, we can't my- be doing one. I'm quite sure it's not because of my wife and I, right? Oh, no, I mean, we it's, it's obviously a standard procedure with them. I just want to know the reasons why. Let's find yeah. out. Okay, thanks, Michael. Okay. Cheers for All now. Right. Take care. No problem. Okay, so you had maybe between seven and 10,000 people at the uh, at the convention centre, and there's another march in Dublin um, tonight, they're saying, to the houses of uh, the Oireachtas, which probably is in... It, probably Dáil Éireann is, is the march tonight, I'm assuming, uh, with people who are very unhappy with uh, the vaccine passport, if you like. And there was uh, a gathering, um, I think, uh, last night that would have gathered re- uh, to begin maybe at the Lock Church, I think, um, and then marched to Micheál Martin's constituency office. I'm just wondering how that went off. John O'Donovan was there. John, good morning. Morning, how are you? Good. Uh, was this, people gathered, forgive me, was it at the Lock Church? No, the uh, Turner's Cross Church. Turner's, and my then, apologies, yeah, from Turner's Cross. Okay. Then a lot of people wouldn't be familiar where the office of Michal Martin is, as you know, is across from the old Evergreen Bell, small little cottage. Oh, okay. So it was, a, was a short walk then from one to the other? Uh, it was indeed, yeah. How, no, how many people? There was at least 200, I said 200 to 250, okay. there, which was a good crowd, like for 
They told me it was 10 o'clock when I, when I got the, the call that I was going ahead, so I raced down the street away. So the gathering and was half past 11. Why, why was that so late? Well, that was in solidarity with our brothers and sisters that were the lads she was speaking to earlier on. Sure, yeah. They were outside the convention centre in Dublin. That's why that time was picked in solidarity with what was happening in Dublin, right? And I tell you, I've seen the stuff now in Dublin, and there was a lot more passion in Tunnel Scots last night. And there was only 250 people there. And the speeches that were there. And one thing jumped out straight away. There was three uniform Gabby. I know they had to come, like, one spot that would have sufficed, Neil, to watch the traffic and make people sure it didn't spill out onto the road. Mm. But there was three uniform Gabby, and there was at least two, if, if not three, uh, plain clothes guys as well. Now, I have a major problem with the plain clothes guys there. To the same in terms of Dame Rockhile, who you mentioned earlier on, when he has his rallies in town, it is saturated with plain clothes guys as well. It was. The city was. I saw them. I mean, they brought in... Yeah, yeah. It was a chopper in the sky. But we were, de- we, were, we were dealing with the unknown. They didn't know what to expect then. And as it happens, the city rallies were very peaceful. There was criticism was, about and the and mask and issue and the close proximity people. Yeah. But there was no trouble whatsoever. No, there wasn't. So, I mean, like, again, what wanted last night, like, for plain clothes, armed detectives there came in, special bunch to be there, like, it, it would have sufficed just to have the yellow jackets there, the Gardaí, one SWAT squad car to make sure that people didn't spill over onto the road. To me, that's intimidation. And something jumped out of me last night, right, was that... The Gardaí, they were put on notice last night, and the, the terms were, with the greatest respect to the Gardaí, that was prefaced first, that if this keeps going on, and all liberties are, keep, are being eroded, and we keep being pushed as sovereign other citizens of the Irish Republic, right, ye, as the Gardaí, will have to make up your mind to either stand against the people or with the people. And as you know, Neil, the guards don't work for the government. The guards are impartial. That's the one thing, if you read the guard, the words, the word impartial jumps out. That means they can't take sides, right? They don't work for the government, they work for the people, they're the guardians of the peace, right? So, I mean, if the government... If the chief, are, super, if the chief super sends five guards to turn us cross, the five guards go to turn us cross. They don't, they it's do, not down to the individual mean, guard to say, oh no, actually, I, I, uh, it's my constitutional right. I've, I understand I, that, but the chief super works for you and me as well. That's why he has to be impartial as well. He works for the people. The but John, John, the guards are fed up of this. The rank and file guards don't want to be doing these kind of things. They're fed up of it. But this is if we don't, don't send them out there in the first place then. I mean, there's no need to be there half the time. Like, was there needs for guards to go into graveyards to monitor funerals? Was there needs for guards to set up roadblocks up in that lawn to stop people going to mass? Was there needs for guards to go into the actual church and to almost threaten and berate the priests and the parishes inside there? Why were the guards doing, doing that? What was the local sergeant? What was his mentality? So but last, I understand, yeah, I, I understand that. So last night, the guards in Cork were told you will ultimately have to pick a side. Was that confrontational? Well, well, it was done in a respectful way, but I think people are exasperated at this stage. You see what's happening across in France at the moment. You have this idiot Macron, and he's decided, no, he's putting out the whole nation of France, and good luck with that, if you want to try and get away with it, Neil, that you will, everyone must be vaccinated, which means that you won't be allowed in public transport. You also won't be allowed into the equivalent of Wilting Shopping Centre, Mahin Point, and all these places, unless you're vaccinated. Like, no, that's going against all our civil liberties, all our human rights. You cannot force a person to take a vaccine in the story. And people are terrified. This idea, you know, that they're after extending out the sunset clause, you no, know, right in October, then you may be damaged, you'll need to be having a conversation or you'll be talking to someone else. 
themselves that that will be extended right out into next year. And people are afraid that what's been lost won't come back. You need, to, you need to, if you're questioning going into a pub, whether you're over 18 or not, or into an off-license, sometimes over 23, to preview, produce some sort of identification um, or yeah, proof that, of age. Rather than be saying to me, show me your vaccine passport, like, I, mean, I don't have to take a substance into my body that I had no intention of taking, or my friends and my group as well. And under data protection, nobody can ask me going into a restaurant or bear about my medical state. Of what I have. And Apparently, they can contact. ask you all right, but they can't store the information. That's my understanding this morning from they, they, they Richard Grogan. This, this, this thing is wide open, and it's a complete infringement of our liberties and our freedoms. Right. And it's, a, okay. it's this clown in France, like I mean, is this going to come in here then that you basically won't be allowed domestic travel on number three and number 14 bus? You can't get on the car to Dublin train. I mean, where is this going to end? No, there's no talk about vaccinated people only on public transport. There certainly is talk about people on public transport wearing masks. Is see, that a- no, I, look, there was a woman there last, last night with us there, and uh, her fam- some of her family there, they got vaccinated. No, if a person wants to get a vaccine, I'm not going to stop them. That's entirely your body, your choice, right? But this, this woman last night was telling us the story that people were doubly vaccinated, and yes, people are running their company, right, I mean, got the COVID. So how in God's name, if I'm doubly vaccinated and you have a point with me, Neil, and then you get COVID, how in Christ's name did I give you COVID if I'm doubly vaccinated? Because COVID doesn't stop you. Get, vaccine doesn't stop you getting COVID. It stops you getting COVID and getting very, very sick or ending up in ICU. I, I know, but the very fact is, like, I mean, it, it, we were taught at the start that if you get the vaccine, that you won't transmit to others. No, that was never. Sure. Whoever said that, that's nonsense. You can still transmit. Well, so we had, if you remember Luke O'Neill, when the late, late show, it's still up there, the clip on, on, on oh, well, but, okay. and Well, okay. About my understanding of it, and I could, I'm open to correction, like everything I say, is that somebody who's been vaccinated can still get COVID and pass it on. Yeah. But, I mean, so what's the point of getting a vaccine at all? Um, the idea is to get the idea is to get everybody vaccinated. So if they get this COVID, well, not, that it won't kill them. That it'll that the that that it will greatly reduce the damage that COVID will do to them. There uh, is a terrible fear you see in England on this. The fact that young kids know there's okay. a, a, a mindset out there now that young kids should be vaccinated as well, and people are terrified of that. That's here's what one for you before I let you go. It's always good to talk to you. Can you tell John that 200 people does not represent the city, never mind the country? That is a uh, tiny minority. I never said it represented Cork City. Those people came there of their own volition, right? And they were quite entitled to come to the office of the Prime Minister of this country at any stage. Okay. Thank you, John, as always. That was last night out at Mihal Martin's constituency office on the Evergreen Road. Text 0868104106. We got calls, texts, and comments after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850 Okay. Uh, you're talking about housing and all of this money that's being thrown around for, you know, different things to be done inside in the city, whatever, when we have the housing crisis. Chris says, My father in law was telling me about the practice of kicking in doors in the 50s and 60s in Cork City. Um, Kicking in doors. There were so many abandoned houses that sometimes newly married couples would pick one, kick the door down and move in. If the owner, usually overseas, turned up, they just moved on. Uh, He mentioned a few surnames, but I'll spare their grandchildren's blushes. This was before the large-scale public housing schemes really took off in the likes of Balafihan, 
poker, etc. They would just go to an abandoned house. Uh, I don't know if they actually kicked in the door, but they certainly moved in, you know, did it up or you know, made the best out of it and, and stayed there for as long as they could. If some owner turned up, then they just left and moved on to the next one. It was a process of called kicking in doors. We were talking a lot recently about... Um, about jobs, applying for jobs, CVs, and not being able to get staff. And then on the other side of the coin was people applying for jobs and not getting uh, any responses. My son has sent out lots of CVs. He's looking to do plumbing or electrical electrician apprenticeships. Not one has ever answered, has ever answered. Not one employer. He just finished school in the city. It's all a joke. There's not half the work that's being, portra- that's being portrayed on the radio, says Neilis, regarding his son who wants to be an apprentice, but nobody responds to him. We touched on the thousand euro a day uh, that uh, block players can uh, make, and many block players last week said that that isn't the case. Emer and Brenda wanted to become block players. Most block players don't have the sense to save their money. So when the crash comes, they won't have a pot to pee in. They blow the money like as confetti, you see. And a huge crash is coming. We're in for another boom built on nothing. This crash recession will be way worse than the last one as we have nothing left to sell off. Another bubble built on selling houses to ourselves. It shows how thick us Irish are. Just in, just 14 years later, we fall for the same trick again, says Mary. You have a lot to say there. Most of you say that block layers don't save money. I beg to differ on that. I'd say that they have a pretty penny. The harder they work, the more they save. And just one here. I do not wish to go on air. Please don't give out my details. But just for the guys to getting some feedback, really. My daughter turned 18 a few months back, recently finished the leaving certificate. We have been applying for any part-time jobs since May for her, but to no avail. She's applying online. She's bringing in CVs in person to businesses around the city centre that are actually actively advertising for staff. Out of over 10 places that she's applied to, only three have contacted her saying she hasn't been successful, which I appreciate from those three. My issue is, and I just want to see if it's normal, for businesses to just ignore applications, even though they were the ones advertising in the first place. I would have thought that the proper standard rejection, keep your details on file in a filing cabinet email could be sent out to applicants as a courtesy. Am I expecting too much from businesses, I wonder? She's had no luck as of yet. The old situation of not having enough experience versus how do you get experience if nobody will give you the opportunity still exists. Thank you for your time. Um, And then one other one here was in the city uh, a few weeks back on a Saturday. I headed into the city centre to get some new clobber. I visited three major outlets to discover very little choice, very little range and very little value. The loss of Debenhams for guys my age, mid-50s, is a massive loss. I don't know if it's down to Brexit or COVID, but there, for me anyway, is clearly very little choice in retail in Cork these days, uh, says Mike. Well, I don't know whether you went into other places like Tony Fine Clothing or whether you went to Savile or places like that or, you know, went to the shopping centres outside of the city, but... I mean, to say that there's not a lot of retail with regards to, um, you know, clothing for men, I find that hard to believe. But then again, that was your experience. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Paddy's standing by. First up, uh, Rosalind. Rosalind on six. Rosalind, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, tell me about your own situation with regards to a swab, because this follows on the story from Michael Dunn in West Cork, doesn't it, and his wife. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was made to go to Dublin from Cork for a swab for surgery last July. Um, when you say a swab, what exactly were you getting done? I was getting ankle surgery. I'd had a fall in December 2019 and because of COVID I was delayed and delayed and I got a phone call in June to go up to Dublin to see this consultant and I went up and I saw him and I was booked in for surgery and um, the secretary said, of course, you'll have to come up, you'll have to get a swab done first, which was all new at the time. The you swab know. is a COVID test, is it? COVID swab, a pre-surgery to ensure I wasn't bringing COVID into a hospital, I suppose, you know, before you go in for surgery. And did you have to go up to Dublin to get that? They absolutely insisted upon it. She, I asked her on the day and she said, yeah, you have to come up to Dublin. And I said to myself, this will change now in the next couple of weeks because it was also new at the time. And then I got a text from, from the Infantry Sports Clinic in Dublin. And I got a text from them then at the week before my surgery, giving me a date and time. It was the Friday. I was having surgery on Monday, the 13th of July, this time last year. And I, I got a date for Friday to go to Dublin for the test. So I rang the clinic and I said, I'm down in Cork. Um, surely I can get it done. The bonds down here are locally. And the girl said, yeah, I'm sure you can. And then I got a call back. No, we have to. We'll only accept swabs carried out in our own clinic. So it was absolutely ridiculous from a time and money point of view. So I did you get a train up to Dublin, get the, well, my the COVID? My husband had to take a day off work to mind the kids because we're in the middle of the pandemic. We couldn't ask anybody to come and mind the children. Um, I'd get a taxi into the train station, a train from Cork to Dublin, a taxi from Dublin station out to sports clinic in Santry. The taxi driver was laughing the whole way through. He stayed in the cab while I was getting fobbed out the window of the cab. Um, the whole thing took 30 seconds back into the train station. But the irony of the situation then, Neil, is that I had to sign a declaration to say I would self-isolate for the weekend to ensure I didn't contract of COVID. Of course, yeah. Before it, would going make in. It, it would make it invalid, I suppose, then, because of the time yeah. delay. Yeah, yeah. But when I got back to Houston Station in Dublin, it, the train station was chock-a-block with students <sighs> travelling down. Oh um, I was on crutches in a walking boot because I was awaiting ankle surgery. I had to stand outside a toilet with a crowd of students. I mean, it's last, but now I was invited to a party and all up on College Road and a spag ball and everything waiting for me <laughs> with, this crowd of, <laughs> with this crowd of young fellas. And I'm thinking, like, if I'm ever going to contact... Were you really on the train? Were you really invited, Yeah. You know, and I, I was so angry I was going to ring the clinic, but I was scared then they'd cancel my surgery. So um, off I went up on Saturday or on the Monday, then got the train back up to Dublin, had my surgery. I stayed overnight. My husband collected me. But it was just ridiculous. It's I, um, nonsense. I, went, had to, I had to go back for a second surgery up there then in December and I was allowed to have the swab done in the bonds here in Cork then for that one. Why? Why did they change it? Maybe they saw sense I that you don't bring a woman all the way to Dublin, send her back to Cork on a busy train mixing with other yeah, people. I mean, they, they, it was ridiculous too with both. Like I had said it here in Rodarin at the time because when I went up that morning, it was very early and the train was quite empty. There was only about four of us in a carriage and they had the yellow stickers on the seats, you know, the COVID Free. spacing stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was coming down, the train was absolutely chock-a-block. Those stickers were still on the seat, so people were adhering to that rule and not sitting on the seat. But then they were standing in all the corridors. There were there were, oh there were students God. curled up in the door wells. I mean, it was completely unsafe, even from that point of view. Oh um, my God! I understand. Yeah. I understand that to some extent we have to kind of make things up as we go along. The last year and a half, but like, <laughs> why would you have a train? Like, do they not control... Was it 25% capacity then or 50% capacity, do you recall? I think it was about 25%, but they had nobody checking the numbers going on the train. 
So no your actual journey for a COVID test was pointless, totally pointless. Ridiculous, and it cost me hundreds. And like a day, you know, I was on crutches at the time. It was hard enough to get around without on and off a train and... Uh, you know, like well, if I'd only heard your story in isolation, I would have said that they obviously believe that the whole world evolves around Dublin, um, and yeah. in your in your case, it does. But my, but Michael's wife has to come from Bantry up for a test, go back home again, and let's say if she did that on a busy bus, for instance, that's the point. Exactly, and and I also think money factors into it because um, I had to pay in Cork in the bonds for the second uh, test I had done. I think it was around 100, 120, but I think the one in Dublin was over 200. Oh. Two twenty, two fifty to the clinic. You I know, mean, two hundred and fifty in Dublin. It's a clinic. I for think it co- was two twenty or two fifty. I can't remember now exactly, but it was over two hundred, and uh, like that was that was you know. Like, Is it really that expensive? Does it need to be that expensive? Well, I doubt it. I mean, it's part of your surgery or going in, and like I have, I have private health insurance. I mean, surely they should have been covering. They and they didn't. I inquired about it. I mean, I had to have surgery. I had my my health insurance paid up to date, so I was covered for my surgery. But um, I mean, between the train and the cab and the COVID swab, I was probably down another three fifty, four hundred euro. Oh my god! You know, yeah. You sound very calm about the whole thing. I have to say. Well, I'm laughing about it now. It was terrible at the time. I mean, I was texting my husband, going, you know. I made a new friend, you know, he's, um, he's a, he made a spag ball on Monday. He told me it'd be fine to go back up to College Road now and have a spag ball on the cider. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm delighted it's over. I mean, I'm a year down the road now, so I'm just delighted to be over. But it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, right. to, to bring somebody in that length and distance, you're only, incur- you're only increasing the chance. Well, it's still, this, it's still going COVID. on right now where somebody has to come from Bantry for a COVID test in the CUH, go back down to Bantry. Um, bypass Bantry Hospital where they also do COVID tests but we have an email into the HSE to get answers regarding the pre-surgery swabs and we're awaiting a response they might they might be able to give a reason that stands up we shall see All right. yeah like I understand why they have to do it my daughter had dental surgery there recently and I had to get a swab as well as her because I was accompanying her into a hospital but I was thinking surely they can you know fast track or smoothen the the path for people that you just go to your local GP or go, go you know like if even Dublin should have sent someone down to me to them better than me going up on my crutches, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, nice one, Rosalind. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. You, Thank bye. you, Sam. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Niall. Uh, you are you using the word you you use the word apartheid, don't you? This um, this indoor dining legislation. It's a form of apartheid. It's a, a form of discrimination. It's a form of segregation. I do. I think it's an awful form of um, segregation because I think when you come to it, you know, when you think about it, I'm a, I'm um, a vaccinated person. You know, I've completely supported the rollout of the vaccine and the government's rollout of the vaccine to those particularly who are vulnerable. But there comes a time when we, when this sort of discrimination comes into place of who can be vaccinated and who can't be vaccinated, and it just reminds me back to the kind of, um, I suppose the whole era of kind of um, to myself just straight away what came into my mind was um, South Africa, Nazi Germany having a yellow star, not wearing a yellow star, segregating those um, you know and I know that myself All, all of that though not, was, was, was without any reason whatsoever, all of that was illogical and unacceptable do you compare that with now where there's a, a fairly majority cohort of the population believe that COVID needs, needs our, our clear attention 
I think what needs to happen is I think that the government's legislation has been incredibly rushed through. There has been no kind of um, thought out plan. There has been no kind of, um, you know, mature debate around it. And I think what's after happening here is that, you know, I think Catherine Connolly TD spoke about it very well yesterday and the Doyle and she said that democracy does this isn't a democracy. I think the Labour leader, um, Alan Kelly, spoke about it. You know, he he, he kind of raised the um, points particularly concerning um, that this is discrimination, particularly around the young people. The young people in the last two years have gone through an awful lot. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm a mum. I can bring my kids. I can, you know, I can go out to um, dinner. Mm. Is it okay to bring my kids? Isn't it okay to bring my kids? You know, I have friends. I want to meet friends, you know, um it's going to a stage now where, you know, like there's like a little cubicle for the vaccinated, another little cubicle for the non-vaccinated. And, you know, you can't live like that because when you start putting those um, restrictions in place with people, it kind of comes, it kind of a whole society as one. It starts undermining the very pillars of society. And I think what needs to, we need to come back to is to kind of take a step back and say, hold on, we need to have a strategy in place. Okay, so fix it for me. Give me, give me your ideal strategy. I think that we should have, um, well, I think what we need to have is to kind of have zones. I think we need to have vaccinated zones and unvaccinated zones, but not uh, like this whole idea of like papers, please. It reminds me of watching a movie, a kind of a German movie, your papers, please. You can't live like that, okay? It, it comes to a stage where it's it's completely overstepping the mark and it's just it's just kind of, it's regimented. It's, it's just, um, it's, it's kind of like just putting... No benefit, no benefits in it whatsoever. No, there's no, there's no benefit. No. no, you, you've just nailed, you know, you nailed it on the head, now, um, Neil, being on. And I think what we need to do is to kind of, like, you know, years ago, somebody said it a few years back about, you know, when we had the smoking zones and we had the non-smoking zone and the smoking zone, and we need. I understand people and need to get back to work. I understand the hospital. Uh, you know, at the hotel um, industry, they need to get up and running. Their restaurants need to um, earn a living, but not at the cost of taking people's freedom. Oh, I know that, but I hate cost, using this know? word because it sounds completely over the top when I use the word infected, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's an awful word to use, infected. But what about the rights of those who want, don't want to be infected? I think we need to sit back, come back to the drawing table. I think the government, we, as one, we need to come back to the drawing table. I think we need to look at um, drawing up plans that are um, kind of that will support everyone's um, view choice. But I think at the moment, the way they're just after rushing it, there's no rationale to it. There's no logic to it. It's coming to a stage where it's just this. There's it's just. Um, eared with discrimination. When you look at the equality legislation, there's so there's so many um, there's so many errors here. In even looking at you know like if you sat down and looked at the equality legislation from 2000 to 2018, the amount of um, the amount of errors and the amount of um, I suppose um, well, you know cases. That's, that you could that, that's perhaps you know, for another day I mean that's a bigger yeah, that's a bigger yeah. topic for another time absolutely absolutely but like these are just some of the um, things that we as a society and as a culture we need to be looking at you know and I think what we need to come back to and look at is you know like these segregated zones are complete kind of um, it, it, the word apartheid comes to mind because that's officially what our government are doing to us. Yeah? Okay, thank you Sam. You thank know? you, thank you, thank you. We uh, leave it at that because I want to get as much on as I can. I want to give one final call because I'll run out of time otherwise and one or two texts. Paddy, good morning. Hello Neil. Okay, um, just very briefly, go ahead. Yeah. <coughs> 
it's an unusual phenomenon going on at the moment. And I can't get a, a straight answer about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm calling in for my Newcastle Lions Rathcormac area. When you purchase items in certain places, you don't get a receipt anymore. You'll be asked, do you want your receipt? And if you ask, you'll get your receipt. But why isn't receipt just given out automatically? Um, but they do ask you if you want it. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that <laughs> system, actually, because sometimes you don't want the receipt because it could be for a bottle of milk or something. But That's you right. might you might want the receipt if it was for 50 euro petrol. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I suppose you were stopped going down the road then by the guards. Just say it. You have no proof of purchase. That's a problem, all right. Proof of purchase. You know? yeah. It's just that what's some people find re- them. Some re- people find them. They're litter. You know, they could be litter. But the echoes litter too, Neil. But you can you can buy that. Yeah, but the letters. Are da- but the echoes a damn fine read. Like the a receipt's a boring read. You get value from what? Do you know what I mean? I mean, like why do you, why would you want a receipt for like a pair of socks? Why would you want a yeah. receipt for a packet of fags? Yeah, but if you've got a trolley load of messages, for instance... Well, then you would need a receipt because some people want to make sure that the bill was right. Yeah, That's right, but you don't get it anymore, you see. That's the thing. I suppose it's Unless to cut have... down on... It's supposed to, it's to cut down on, on waste and recycling, you know? Actually, that's ridiculous. You should I mean? Look at the size of a receipt compared to the size of the echo of the exam, no? And do you think or there's another be... reason for not giving receipts? I don't know. It's a mystery. I can't get a straight answer about it. That's all I want to know. Why are you holding them back? Okay. All right. Let's get some other thoughts on that. Text 0868104106. Incidentally, Elizabeth said, as a Swiss citizen, fully vaccinated since April, the Moderna, I received my COVID certificate QR code about four weeks ago. Any vaccine, anyone vaccinated since June will receive it immediately, says Elizabeth leading in listening in Switzerland and it leads me on to a comment that I made earlier on with regards to those that haven't got their COVID certs yet are in a getting are getting into a very kind of a lonely little group of people who haven't got their COVID certs yet because one and a half million people already have got their COVID cert and I made that point this morning text came in on that hi Neil have you received your COVID cert just wondering because if you have then you are extremely patronizing and your tone is mocking, saying people are a lonely little group if they haven't received their cert for whatever reason. I feel it was a bit much. There's nothing about this situation that's humorous, especially the situation around digital certs. You're right in many of the aspects of what you're saying. There's nothing humorous about it. And digital certs, of course, have become very divisive. Uh, but I, I, I think I'm entitled to say that we are in a group all of our own. Um, and uh, as the days go by and more and more people get their certs, there will be a group, of which I am one actually, who still hasn't got their cert. I'm surrounded by people who do. So it wasn't meant to be patronising nor mocking, for I am in that group myself. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. I gotta go. Just before I do, if you want to get in touch, you can always text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Just finally, would you please wish Shauna O'Donovan, who is a regular contributor to your show a happy 26th birthday for today she gets a weakness whenever the two of you talk I wish her a happy birthday today from a very jealous boyfriend Peter well it's nice to hear that somebody's jealous of me for a change (laughs) have a good day I'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content